Excuse me, Agent Coulson. Oh, yes, can I help you? Uh, yeah, uh, Director Fury gave me a list of names of uh, potential uh, Avengers that he wants you to uh, to hunt down and see if they want to join, okay? Oh, oh, okay, well, you better give me the list. Okay, well, the first one is Leather Boy. L- leather Boy, okay. Yeah. And what, what are Leather Boy's powers? I don't know. He just dressed up like a leather daddy. He's got like a ball gag in his mouth. Leather it's boy. all right there. It's all right. Okay, there. okay, fine. Okay, well, who's next? Uh, okay, the next one is 3D Man. He has a catchphrase, 3D Man, 3D Man does whatever a 3D Man can. Well, but what would that include? What does he do? Um, I don't, I don't know. He's got glasses or something. Judging by his name, it sounds like he's just a person that exists in three dimensions, which would be everybody. Right, but I mean, he's got like a red and uh, red and green. You'll see him. He has a. He wears 3D glasses. Yeah. Okay, Uh fine. 3D man. Okay, so who's next then? Yeah, they give him enhanced strength and speed and stuff. Oh well, you see, you didn't mention that. Mm-hmm. That's important. Um, and uh, the next one is Hell Cow. Hell Cow. Yeah, it's a vampire cow that was. Uh, it, that yeah, it's what you think it is. It's a it's a it's a cow. A cow that's also a vampire. Also known as Bessie, right? She teamed up with Deadpool once. Like, Hell Cow teamed up with Deadpool. They defeated Doctor Kilgore. He is a mad scientist. It was all a thing, you know. You'll recognize her because she's got fangs. She walks upright and she wears a vampire Shh. cape. Sure. Okay. So these these okay. are candidates for the Avengers that that those Director are the three Fury one, wants. Those are the three top ones. But if you can't get them, then Birdman, Asbestos Lady, Ruby Ruby Thursday, Doctor Bong, or Litterbug. Okay. You 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 do get that this is for the Avengers, not Alpha Flight, right? Who are they? We can't protect the Earth. You can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is, holy shit, it made all the money in the world. (laughs) Its reputation is changed the movie industry. Its reputation is, why can't we reproduce this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, at certain studios. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, Disney, Disney Marvel created, painted the Mona Lisa, right? Yeah. And then every other studio came up with their own, but it's called the Mungalisa, and it's really ugly, and no one really wanted to watch it, right? They've, they've been trying to reproduce what Marvel has, and they've been doing it wrong. They have. But this, but this was the, the kind of the proof of concept movie, guys. This was the, the huge experiment to see if we can translate fandom from the comics into fandom for the movies for an audience that didn't necessarily know all that much about the comics to begin with. Yep. And that movie that we're talking about is, of course, The Avengers. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. No. <laughs> Sorry. The, the Sorry. Avengers. The, uh, the Avengers. The, the first Avengers. Actually, technically, it's called Marvel's The Avengers. Mar- yeah, to, to, to differentiate it from that well-known, much-loved Rafe Fiennes Uma Thurman vehicle. With Sean Connery. With Sean Connery. That was the, the adaptation of the 1960s TV show that had nothing to do with Marvel Comics. Had nothing really to do with the TV show from the 1960s either. That's that's true. The movie really wasn't that close to the TV show either. <laughs> yeah. Uma Thurman hadn't learned. I need to stay away from from these kinds of properties because I'm not built for this. <laughs> I'm not built for it. But now we're talking about that. We're not talking about the Avengers. Everybody's the most favorite is the Avengers movie. I don't think that's true. No, I don't think it is. Not anymore. Do you think Endgame is taken over? 
Probably. Okay. Probably. The one with all the death in it. It depends on what you're there for. If you're there because you want to see, like, the spectacle and all the characters in the same movie, then yeah, I think Endgame is your thing. Well, I mean, that has all the everybody. It has everybody, yeah. Yeah. That was proof of concept two, which was, oh, you think we did something with the first Avengers? Wait until you see this. (laughs) Wait until you see us put everybody in the same movie. Not you, Hawkeye. Everybody in the same movie. Hawkeye was in that. That's true. He's in the beginning. Yeah, he wasn't in Infinity War, but he was in uh, in, uh, Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was like, where's Hawkeye? Oh, oh, you'll see him in the next one, believe me. Oh, he's the one that has a family that kind of retired and... We're not. We're gonna leave him alone. Wink. We're not gonna make him tragic at all. Wink. Wink. And then, then you see like the first scene of Endgame is at Hawkeye's house, and you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa. Oh, I guess they all. I guess the, the snap didn't affect. Oh, his daughter's gone. And the I, little kid. I guess we're gonna start this movie by reassuring everybody that Hawkeye is fine and far from the action. Not fucked up. Anyway, we're talking about all the other movies, but this one's The Avengers, Yeah, Steve. There's no trivia. No, it's, you know, such a little-known film and very little of interest. No, I do have how, some trivia, actually. How long had Feige been planning on this? How long do you think he was like, yeah, let's let's try this? And how many people with money, their balls shrank up into their body when they handed it over? Here you go. <laughs> oh, I hope this doesn't become a huge I hope disaster. This movie with all of your B-list characters works out. Yeah, I've I've always dreamed of an Iron Man Thor team up. Said no one ever. <laughs> and yet here we are. Here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve. Yeah, I got some. Good. So, um, Robert Downey Jr. did this funny thing during the production where he would hide food on the set mm-hmm. and snack on it during scenes, like sure. just in character, as though well, Tony Snark. Tony Stark was having a snack, and it was Tony Snark. Tony Snark, <laughs> Freudian slip, my friends. Um, and as particularly, you see it particularly in the the scenes during uh, when all the characters are in the lab aboard the helicarrier. Mm-hmm. You'll see uh, Tony snacking on things and occasionally offering other characters like a snack. You're like, do you want some? And that was Robert Downey Jr. going off script, really mm-hmm. eating food that he had secreted away on the set mm-hmm. and offering the other actors a snack. That's his real food that he's Continuity actually eating. must have loved him. Oh, my God. Because they're like, you like them blueberries? You like them blueberries? Well, yeah. you got to keep eating them because we're doing yeah. 90 more takes. Yeah, exactly. Um, at least he had healthy snacks, you know? Um, yeah, at least he wasn't like Twix. Here's the thing. You want at a Twinkie? Least it wasn't a fucking product placement. Right. It was just blueberries in a clear bag. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were dried blueberries in a clear bag. No, yeah. no. They didn't have to scramble and rush off to find the company that made the, the blueberries in a clear bag. Right. And it was kind of very Tony Starkish. Yeah. It was yeah. like... He's not eating shit. He's not. It's not like some product that that they're trying to endorse. In fact, pushed hard. There's not a whole lot of product placement in this, is there? There really isn't. No. Not that I can. No, there there really isn't. Nothing serious. Nothing that like stands out as like 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 how uh, what um, uh, Martha Kent getting a job at Sears in in Man of Steel. You know, it's like oh okay. The big fight in Man of Steel where everyone got punched into a different into <laughs> IHOP. Into, oh, no, not Exxon the IHOP. <laughs> yeah, so there was nothing like that in the Avengers at all that I that I noticed. 
Um, but speaking of Downey, he ties into my next piece of trivia, which is in addition to impromptu snacking, uh, his improvisations affected the film in a couple of other ways. The uh, there's a joke he makes at one point about a crewman aboard the helicarrier playing Galaga, and yeah. that was and that was Downey's joke. And product then and, yeah, that's the only product placement is Galaga <laughs> for a forty year old a forty year old arcade game. <laughs> um, but Downey Downey made that Galaga joke, and then after after he made that joke, Joss Whedon then added the reaction shot later on at the end of the scene where the guy turns Galaga back on it, and goes back turns- to playing it. Which makes me feel great about Shield. <laughs> They're but literally again, playing video games. Shield turns out to be a garbage organization anyway. So foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also improvised uh, his his lines at the end of the final battle, where he says, first he says, "Let's not come in tomorrow," and then he also suggests that they all go out later for shawarma. That was again, that was a Downey improv that led to mm-hmm. a scene being added to the movie because they have that post credit scene where they're all sitting around eating shawarma, and yeah. that was added because they were following and, up on on Downey's improv. And they improv. had to sl- uh, slap a huge prosthetic onto uh, Chris Evans' face because yes. he had grown a beard. Because he had grown and, a beard. Mm-hmm, that's why that, his fist is up against his face. <laughs> and he looks like he's just kind of bored to be there. He's just like... Mm-hmm. Well, they're all supposed to look tired because they just yeah. fought off an alien army. Yeah. Cut them some slack. At least Thor's taking a couple of big chomps out of that shawarma, though, isn't he? Goddamn. It's one of the things that I like about the Marvel Universe is that you can see their characters acting like people sometimes. Yeah. Every once in a while. Every and once like in DC, a while. DC, where everyone's a god 24-7. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you cut to Marvel. They're sitting around while while these guys try to clean up their shawarma place, <laughs> and the fucking Avengers are sitting around a table, exhausted, eating shawarma. And you cut to what they have in the DC, and Bruce Wayne is sitting around his fucking mansion with I don't know a prostitute in his bed, drinking wine like it's going out of style. And you're like, I can relate to these characters. Yeah, this they're- is a he's just like someone I know. <laughs> Like, yeah, can you imagine, yeah, you would never see Aquaman just eating a sandwich. <laughs> just sitting, just sitting in his underwear, watching God knows what on the TV, watching, watching Judge Judy eating, eating a fucking sandwich. That yeah. doesn't, just, doesn't you, happen. No, it doesn't happen, but it would happen in the MCU. Oh yeah, fact, it would. We've gotten, we've gotten a couple of times where we would just kind of catch Thor hanging out watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's what he was doing in, in Endgame when they came to, when the Hulk came to get him. He's like, just uh, hanging out playing video games, just, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, All right. Okay. More okay now, this, there's tons this, of it, isn't there? Yeah. There's this just... this next one is really interesting. This is something that I didn't actually know until I looked up uh, trivia for this. Um, so, in a move that could either have had a significant impact on the development of the world of the MCU, or would have just been completely ignored anyway, and I'm not really sure which way it would have gone. But mm-hmm. um, the producers got permission from Columbia Pictures to include Oscorp Tower from the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man film, which came out the same year as this, in shots of New York City. And it's not Why there. Why did they have to get it from Columbia? I thought uh, well, Sony owned that. Sony, well, Sony owns Columbia. Oh, okay. Columbia is like the actual... It's sort of, Columbia is like the last link on the chain, you know, but it's all, it's all owned by Sony. But um, but they, uh-huh. got, they got permission to use Os, Oscorp Tower from that Amazing Spider-Man franchise. And the only reason they didn't do it, so nobody go running back and try to find it because it's not there, but the only reason they didn't do it was because it took so long to finalize that permission 
that by the time they did those shots of the city where they were going to use it had already been finished and they just didn't feel like going back and adding it in because that part of the movie was already done so if not for that there could have been at least a visual reference establishing that the andrew garfield amazing spider-man films happened in the mcu universe but again i mean that it could have wound up meaning nothing like they could have just ignored it anyway because it would have just been a background shot but it's really cool to think like um how far things have evolved even since this first movie like this was only i think the fifth movie the fourth or fifth movie in the mcu and uh, let's see there was all three iron man films it was no, iron man, america iron man 3 Hulk. was after this though wasn't it oh yeah it was after this so there was so two yeah two, two of the iron man films two iron man's hulk captain america thor so this was the sixth one yeah this was the sixth one but but yeah, it's like that. There there was still some thought of well, maybe we can make a deal and work Spider-Man into this, you know. Oh, I bet they've been working on the acquiring 20th Century Fox. That was a deal that Disney was working on for years, you know. So we got those characters back. I they don't I don't even think they know what to do with them yet, right? Because they got yeah. the X-Men and they got the Fantastic Four back. And then with Sony, they worked out a deal. A lot of people don't re- realize this. Spider-Man's costume looks a little bit different when he appears in either a Marvel Marvel Disney produced movie or in a Sony Marvel produced movie mm-hmm. because of rights. So in Spider-Man Homecoming, there's a reason why Iron Man looks a little bit different, why the suit looks a little bit different. And they've been doing that back and forth, these little tiny differences. They're all supposed to be in the MCU, which is fine, but um, it's all have to do with rights. And eventually yeah. Sony's going to go bankrupt because it can't make any money, And except when it's co-producing movies with, with Disney Marvel. <laughs> and, I mean, they, they did a great job. The Spawn movies are fun. Yeah. You know, the the Miles Morales movies or movie. Yeah. I haven't seen the second one yet. It's not even out. It's not out yet. Yeah. Talking about. Um, that was fun. Um, but, I mean, they, that stuff has been in the works for years, years and years. More more trivia. Yeah. I think you meant I to mean, say Venom just now. You said the Spawn movies. I think you were talking about oh, the Venom Oh, no. Movie, I hate Spawn. Fuck yeah. Spawn. I yeah. Meant, the Spawn. I Venom. <laughs> the Spawn movie was awful. One of the worst comic book movies <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah. But the Venom movies are great. Um, last bit of trivia. Uh, Yay. So... They mention Natalie Portman's character from Thor in this, Jane Foster. Sure. There, there's a line uh-huh. where, Col- where Coulson tells Thor, oh, we got her to safety. You know, she, she's out of the, the line of fire, so don't worry about her. That's right. We don't um, need to see her. <laughs> yeah. Here's her headshot. So, you know, technically she's in the movie. But, yeah. um, but originally Natalie Portman was supposed to be in the movie uh, sure. to make an appearance as Jane. But she dropped out after she got pregnant because mm-hmm. I guess nobody thought to just have her standing behind something or or wearing a big coat and then i remembered oh holding a basketball in front of her and then i remembered then i remembered oh joss whedon made this movie Mm -hmm. and he hates pregnant women for some reason yes he does he really does so that might be why he hates pregnant women (laughs) oh he loves fake pregnant women when it's his idea but he hates it when women want to have children without consulting him first. What about my shooting schedule? <laughs> did you think, when you and your husband were conceiving your child, did you think for a moment about my what shooting would schedule? say? How dare you want a family without my consent? How dare you want a family? Okay, you done? That's it. I'm finished. Here's some trivia. They're all based on Marvel Comics characters. (gasps) What? I know. (laughs) 
You ready for the who made it? Yeah. We're just going to tear through it. Okay. <laughs> We're going to tear through this fucker. I don't care. It's directed by Joss Whedon. Steve, tell everyone what's wrong with Joss Whedon right now. Oh, it turns out he's a huge piece of shit who mistreats people on his movie sets a lot. That's right. Just, just like Stanley Kubrick. Oh, oh damn. I mean, I can't deny it. <laughs> no, you fucking can't. I'm not going to stand no. here and say, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I want you to have a sit down with Shelley Duvall one day. I want you to defend your love of Stanley Kubrick movies to her. <laughs> Look, I know there's the shit he put her through. <laughs> Look, I, I know there's I know that it completely wrecked your long term mental health, and there's no excuse for anybody treating anybody this way. But his movies were just so good. Well, he now lives in the day and age where there's there's payback. Yeah. And he's getting his payback now. So I hope you enjoyed making Marvel movies while you had the chance, Joss. <laughs> Because as soon as one person opened their mouth and said, hey, he's a dick, yeah. everybody else who's ever worked with him did a, I, I yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's Weird. terrible. He was, a, he was a dick to me in pretty much the exact same way. Huh. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny. <laughs> so good old liberal hero, Joss Whedon, who makes so many movies with strong female leads, turns out he's just a prick. Yeah. And I mean, that's the worst of it. It's not like he's a gropey prick. That hasn't no, come out. No, he hasn't like, been accused of, like, Weinstein stuff. He's just accused of, like, being really, really uh, unprofessional and, 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 like, mean and dismissive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, and the Charisma Carpenter thing where, where it does seem like he legitimately basic, basically ran her off the show because she got ran pregnant and he, didn't, and he didn't like it. I mean, that's a really yeah. shitty thing to do. Because it messed up his story or yeah. some bullshit. And it's like, dude, you're... You're not. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can tell a story. You can write dialogue. You can do whatever. But if you're good at it, just work it in. Yeah, because these things have happened before. Uh huh. It's not Life like outside no- of your fucking movies happen. You I'm goddamn moron. I mean, Lucille Ball got pregnant the first year of her show. They just ran <laughs> with it. It wasn't that big of a deal. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, he directed it and he screenplayed it. The story was by Zach Penn, and he's also done like The Incredible Hulk, Hulk, the one with uh, Edward Norton in it. Yeah, the forgotten one. The forgotten one. They put a little. Here's some trivia. They put a little nod to what he wanted in the Hulk, The Incredible Hulk, with um, with uh, Mark Ruffalo's character. He's now playing Doctor Banner. Yeah. With the story of him, you know, killing himself, yes. attempting suicide. Yes. That was something that Norton wanted in the Incredible Hulk, but they nixed it. They thought it was too dark. But they gave that scenario to the Bruce Banner in this movie. So it's a little nod to Edward saying, we're sorry you don't have any, you're not in this. Oh, by the way, we're stealing your idea. <laughs> That's all. Thanks, it's Ed. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also by uh, Joss Whedon. Who cares? Anyway, Zach Penn also did, uh, I think he co-wrote X2. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, based on the Avengers by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And you know what? I, I appreciate that they are crediting these two people. But the Avengers as a whole, I mean, created, it should say created by, you know, based on characters created by Stan, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Because if you take the entirety of the comic as a whole, there's literally hundreds of people that have worked on the Avengers. Oh, my God, yes. And, and it wasn't Stan Lee that came up with some of the ideas. Because this is like a mishmash between the original Avengers, the Ultimates Avengers, a whole yeah. bunch of side things, and their own stuff, making the MCU the MCU. And it's produced by Kevin Feige, and everyone knows who he is. 
He has all the money in the world. No one could... I mean, here's the thing. I have not heard a bad thing about Kevin Feige, right? Yeah, I agree. Unless everybody is scared. (laughs) (laughs) He has dirt on everybody. I am willing to say that it is a distinct possibility that if he holds all the money and he holds all these people's careers in his hands, that he could be a colossal prick. But... Yeah. He knew that when he cast the Black Panther that he was sick. He knew. Yes. They oh, told yeah. Him. yeah. And they said, well, we've already hired you and you're perfect. And they worked with him. He was very sick. They just released uh, What If, the series on, on the Disney Channel. Yeah, and he did the right? he was the, I think the, some of the last things he did was do the voice for that. Last things yeah. as the Black Panther, he did the yeah. voice for it. And the studio protected him, didn't reveal any of his secrets, didn't recast him in any of the in any of the stuff because Black Panther appears in three movies. Yeah, four no four his own yeah Winter Soldier and then Endgame and um, and uh, Infinity War and, uh, Infinity yeah. War and he was and he was really sick in Infinity War. So you know what I can't based on what I've seen at hand and his tolerance of. Robert Downey Jr. fucking around on set. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've ever watched any of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, everyone seems to get along with each other. They have a good time. Even when some of the cast members open their mouths and reveal spoilers like crazy. You you don't hear stories about Kevin Feige blew up with this person. Kevin Feige. No. The, the most recent thing was Scarlett Johansson's kerfuffle about the money that she was supposed to make from the Black Widow movie. Right, because they because it went to streaming instead of straight just to theaters, yeah. Right, because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that sounds like higher up. I mean, maybe she signed a contract with Disney in regards to that. I don't know. What I didn't hear was Kevin Feige yeah. is pushing for that, right? So... I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to side on he's a good guy until I hear until I hear different. You know, I do not trust Hollywood at all. So I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the fact that he's a colossal prick and maybe even a gropey one. I don't know. Maybe I hope not. I hope. I, I hope not too. It would be nice to have one <laughs> because would... he's been a producer and executive producer on every Marvel movie that's been made since 2000, and actually maybe even before that. But, I mean, it starts with X-Men in 2000, Mm -hmm. as near as I can tell. And, yeah, he was a producer on Daredevil, and he learned. Yeah, I was going to say, so (laughs) not everything is good. Not everything is good, but he learned. Okay, starring, I don't even, do I have to say this? These are some, these actors are fairly well known. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, and you know him from Weird Science and Chaplet and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Dr. Doolittle. Oh, boy. Never, they shouldn't have allowed him to kill off his character, but they did it. <laughs> I don't think he needs any more money. I don't think so. I think, think so. he's good. I think yeah. he's good. Chris Evans is Captain America, and most people only knew him before he got this. He got this this casting as Captain America as as Johnny Storm from mm-hmm. the really terrible, you know, Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's been in movies like Knives Out and Scott Pilgrim saves the universe. I don't. It's Scott versus the Scott, Scott Pilgrim creation. versus the world or something. Yeah. Yes, and it's Snowpiercer. 
Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. And he's been in like Zodiac and Shutter Island and Spotlight and a bunch of romantic comedy movies that are completely forgettable. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth as as Thor. And the only movie that he's been in that I've actually liked outside of these movies is Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's been in like the the all-girl reboot of the Ghostbusters. That went great, right, Steve? That was a laugh a minute. Oh, boy. He was really funny in that movie. I'm sure he was. He was very really funny, funny in, in general. Movie. When they lay, when when they finally figured out Thor and allowed him to Chris Hemsworth to play through his strengths. Oh yeah, which apparently was comedy. Absolutely, the Thor character got a lot better. Oh my God, yes, was and he Scarlet? was also he also played Captain Kirk's dad. No, that's right. He was in yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, he was in. Okay, I liked him in that too. Um, Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow, and you know her from movies like, what's the one where she's the alien and she tricks, she sexy tricks guys into getting skinned. Oh, that's, oh, oh! In, I can't no, think of the title. In the cut. It's, not in the cut. No. Um, it's oh, I can't remember. It's so good. Though. I I can't think of the, the title, but yeah. And then, boy, oh boy, was she gutsy in that because those were, when she was hitting on guys from that van, those were improvised. The guys she was hitting on and talking to didn't know they were in a movie. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, that's fucking brave. <laughs> um, uh, but you know her. She's been in a bunch of stuff. She was in uh, what is it that that wedding, that wedding, that divorce movie from last year. Oh, what, mar- mar- marriage story. Marriage story. Yeah, She's awesome in that. Lost and, in translation. Uh, Lost in translation. Uh, that was like her first movie out of kids' films. Yeah. Right. Ghost World. Sure, Ghost World. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, and he had been in one movie prior to this or something like that. He'd been. He was in that. I, I'm a guy who defuses bombs in the military yeah. i'm not saying another fucking movie name i just i'm done <laughs> the hurt locker well, the hurt locker thank you brain in one best um, picture he was nominated for best actor was he really <laughs> yes he was yes uh tom hiddleston is loki and you know him from the crimson tide no no, no. the crimson lady no the lady in red the ghost movie with that was done by del toro um, you know, Crimson Peak. Thank you. There Thank you go. You, yeah, yeah. Crimson Peak, and he's got his own Loki show, and also from the other Thor movies. <laughs> I wish they called it the Loki show. That would be <laughs> the Loki show. <laughs> Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson, and you know him playing Agent Coulson in all of the previous <laughs> movies up to this point. And he never once said, "I'm." He should have. He should have known he was going to die. He had to. He had to have known that he was going to die. Yeah. It well, is the, such see, a Joss but, Whedon fucking thing to do to somebody. But you know what they probably did? They bribed him by saying, you're going to die, but if you keep your mouth shut, we'll bring you back and give you your own TV show. That's right. That and that's what they an did. Absurd, an absurd number of years, and I only watched the first season, and you I should, didn't watch anything else. You should, if you have time, you should go back and catch up on the rest of it, because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. turned into a really, really good show. Why was it called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even when Aid, there was no S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore? Because what, are you going to call it just Agent? Call it Dem Agents? Call it Agent Coulson. <laughs> Agents of nothing. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer exists. Kobe Smulders, whose name is ridiculous, but Kobe Smulders <laughs> plays uh, Agent Agent Lady. Hill. Agent Hill. Agent Hill, that's right. And she was in um, How... How to Stretch a Premise, that TV show. <laughs> How to have a sitcom on CBS for like 10 years. 
Stellan Skarsgård plays Doctor Man. What's what's his name? Doctor what? Oh, I don't oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Who to. Who cares? He's uh, a professor. Selvig. You saw him in Doctor Selvig, and you saw him in Thor and other superhero ventures like um, that sex one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that he he's, he does a lot of superhero films. <laughs> With Lars then, von Trier. And then he does a bunch of dark fucking movies with Lars von Trier. Oh, this looks interesting. It has that guy from the Avengers in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that his dick? That's his dick, right? He had, I, I think he was one of the guys that didn't have the CG genital replacement. Well, no. He's, he's like, no, hell no. Mm-hmm. The people are going to see. Yeah. So he was in... He was. What was the name of the sex movies? It was... Uh, um, I don't, I don't <laughs> I watched him once and said so, someone needs therapy. Well, yeah, Art Lars von Trier. Clearly, okay. clearly yeah. he needs therapy. No, it was I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the name of them either. Um, Nymphomaniac. 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 <sighs> I watch that at Christmas every year. It's a fa- um, it's a family tradition. That doesn't make me feel wretched inside, like I've just been painted with garbage. Um, Samuel L. Jackson. And you and he plays Nick Fury, and you know him from everything. <laughs> a somewhat prolific actor. A somewhat prolific actor, yes. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is Pepper Potts, and you know her as a purveyor of garbage on her website. <laughs> She's only likable in movies. Maximilio Hernandez is Jas- Jasper Sitwell. Didn't bother to look up. Paul Bettany is the voice of Jarvis. And... I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Quick. When you knew that it was Paul Bettany doing Jarvis's voice in Iron Man, did you immediately have the thought he'd make a really good vision? Yeah, I did. And I, I more broadly, I thought they're, they've got to find some way to bring him on screen. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way. I mean, Paul Bettany's not like a superstar, but he's a well-known enough actor and a good yeah. enough actor that you're like, they're not just going to use him for the voiceover the whole time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time they got to the Avengers, he was recording some of his dialogue over the phone. Yeah. And they, and I can't imagine that the pitch when they well, finally walked up and said, hey, you want to be an Avenger? And he's like, I uh, like money. And it's and I like it a lot. And then they said, good, because you're going to be in a lot of makeup. You're going to be bright red. And you're going to wind up dating a woman that's half your age. And he's like, awesome. Cool. He, and, in real life, I, and in real life, I could still be married to Jennifer Connelly? Awesome. <laughs> I'll take that life. Thank you, Disney. What fucking wish on a monkey's paw did he make? I'm telling you. I, Jesus. Did he, what, I mean, did he like cure cancer in another life or something? <laughs> like, what did he do to deserve? <laughs> to become a beloved character. A beloved character, yes. And the heart, and at that point, they, Marvel should have said, we can do anything. We can do anything. People love this fucking weird British robot. Yeah. Like, they're really sad that we killed him. No, everyone's deeply involved in his relationship with Scarlet Witch. No yeah. one's freaking out or protesting the goddamn movie. They're just like, oh, they need to be together. And it's like, he is a robot. You do <laughs> She's having sex with a robot. <laughs> but he's a really nice robot. We like him. He's like, if C-3PO got fixed. <laughs> Powers Booth and Jenny Auger. Oh, Jenny <laughs> Sorry, I still have a crush on Jenny Auger, even when she's all old. Surprised but... Paul Bettany didn't marry her, too. <laughs> yeah, he probably oh. did. He, pro- he probably, he probably did. S- probably has some story about how he and Jenny Auger dated for like 10 years. 
And then he and left then her for said, Jennifer Connelly. And then she did an interview where she said that that Paul Bettany broke her for all men and she's gone celibate and she's sewed her vagina shut and she's never going to have a relationship again. <laughs> yeah, I missed that, but that's probably what happened. Sure. But they play members of the World Security Council. Which doesn't look like a shadow organization at all. No, it, to- it totally doesn't look like the guys that Murdoch worked for in MacGyver. <laughs> and there's our MacGyver Ah, uh, you're welcome. <sighs> Harry Dean Stanton is... Why am I in this movie? <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton is a great actor, and you'd yeah. recognize him from a lot of... Oh, Jesus. Alien. Um, what else has he been in? He's been an alien. He was in The Straight Story. He was in fucking Wild at Heart. He was in um, Repo Man, oh, God. which is a movie uh, that we're going to have to review at some point. Wasn't um, he in Godfather? Or Godfather 2? No. no. He was in Who one was of he playing in Godfather 2? I thought I saw him. I can't remember anyway, but he's, yeah, he's, he's been in. You're getting him mixed up with Abe Vigoda. No, 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 not Abe Vigoda. No, he wasn't, uh, oh. Maybe he is in Godfather 2. It's been a long time since I've watched Godfather 2. It's possible. He's been around forever. He's one of my favorite actors ever. And to see him suddenly pop up in this movie as security guard, I was like, oh, you know somebody, Dean. (laughs) You know somebody, (laughs) Harry Woody. What are you doing here? And Jerry Skolomowski, no, Jersey Skolomowski, Jersey Skolomowski as Jorge Luchkov, who was the guy who's torturing the Black Widow at the beginning of the movie. He is a famous Polish film director. Why Why is he in this movie, Steve? I don't know. Maybe. They could have hired any old man to talk in an accent, right? Maybe, maybe he was like one of Joss Whedon's film professors or something. Yeah, I wonder how he's feeling now. Yeah. Oh, what have I done? I never told you to treat people this way, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> You're interfering, interfering with the way I wanted to make the movie. I don't care. You're too married to your stupid scripts. Always with the quippy. Look, okay, look, your shit is good, <laughs> but not that good, okay? That's right. You have shit. a gimmick? That's all you do? Quippy scripts, quippy scripts. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It makes it difficult for us to invest when real dramatic beats happen. <laughs> Also, relationship between Angel and Buffy was gross, okay? It was very gross. Super gross, gross dude. <laughs> he was way older than Too her. Old. And she was still in high school. She you was a child, Joss. She was a child. <laughs> also, in Firefly, were those people supposed to be former Confederates? Are we supposed to be backing the Confederate army in, in your stupid... <laughs> Western why, sci-fi show? Why can't it just be space cowboys? Why you have to put <laughs> confederacy into it? I mean, in your telling, the United States is a large, gross, disgusting, but they won that war. Are you saying you wanted them to win that war? <laughs> You're a very confused young man. <laughs> okay, I'll do your movie. Um, <laughs> cinematography... <laughs> Cinematography by Seamus McCarvey, and he's done other such fantastic superhero films like Atonement Ooh. and Anna Karenina. Oh, that famous superhero <laughs> epic. But he leapfrogs over superheroes to Godzilla. Oh, now you're talking. That's a next tier. If you you go, you can just lightly tap on superheroes and go directly to a Godzilla movie. That's geek nerddom. Oh, that yeah. Is, ooh, 
That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Edited by Jerry Ford, who's also edited Iron Man 3, Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, stuff like that. Also edited by Lisa Lasek, and she's done a bunch of Whedon stuff. I guess he doesn't yell at his editor. <laughs> she's one of the lucky ones. Because an editor can fuck your movie over. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice to the editor. Everybody else, they can go to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, music by Alan Silvestri, and he's done the themes for Back to the Future, and Predator, and Forrest Gump, and a ton of other movies, right, Steve? Yeah, he's one of the big giants of, of Hollywood film scores of the last probably 30, you know 40 what, years. You know what's amazing to me? What? I thought that the theme for the Avengers mm-hmm. was forgettable. I was like, eh, whatever. It's, you know, da, 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 and yeah. I was like, whatever, no big deal. When Endgame started and you hear the theme, uh, Endgame doesn't start with a theme, but when you when you watch the preview and you could hear the theme, yeah. I cried. <laughs> yeah, it sneaks up on you. Yeah, it does. Well, you I, suddenly are like, this is the greatest theme for the greatest franchise I think I, I think part of that is because while the MCU was like was was sort of establishing itself and building up steam um mm-hmm. there was there was a period in the early in the 2000s and the 2010s even where like big superhero movies didn't have those kind of you know recognizable operatic like John Williams Danny Elfman themes anymore you know like mm-hmm. like the 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 Dark Knight trilogy has a really good score but it's very minimalist it's not like a big epic orchestral yeah. score I'll, I'll I'll do the intro to all of the the, bat, the Nolan Batmans yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and 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 when there is a theme it's very percussive you know mm-hmm. like there there's there is a theme to the the Nolan Batmans but it's very percussive oh, sure. it's hard it's difficult to hum you know but mm-hmm. but alan silvestri wrote this classical like you know superman danny elfman batman style uh mm-hmm. theme superhero theme for the avengers and when and especially in a movie like endgame that has some really big emotional beats like when it hits it's like oh that's it that's what i need you know i need that <laughs> i need that big recognizable superhero theme you know yeah yeah um, production company Marvel Studios. What a big surprise! Distributed by <laughs> Walt Disney Studios. This is the partnership that was made in hell and is going to. There's nothing that, that's going to break it. I've always said that DC was a better fit for for Disney, but DC unfortunately has been trapped by a monster called Warner Brothers. <laughs> They're not letting and, it go. I mean, if you think about it, Mickey Mouse and Superman make more sense. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right? Not Mickey Mouse and Iron Man. <laughs> Not not no, even like, not even Mickey Mouse and Spider Man. No, I mean or, as Captain, Ma- America. or Captain America. As 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 great as those characters are and as iconic as they are, you're right. If you're going to combine two like corporate mascots, it's Mickey Mouse and Superman make way yeah. more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, running time one hundred forty three minutes. Budget two hundred twenty million. Box office the rest of it. The rest <laughs> All the money. Of the money. <laughs> All the money. billion dollars and that woke everybody up hey steve what was dc's competing movie to the avengers (sighs) oh uh, this year yeah 2012 Uh, was it dark knight rises I don't think it was. It might have been. It, it was not going to get any closer. Dark Knight Rises, I don't like it. Well, dar- yeah. Um, I don't think it was. Uh, but, nobody. There was no nobody. answer. Yeah, they're like, nope, we're not doing, we're not doing one. Fuck it. <laughs> DC lagged behind. The year that they they finally brought out Batman v Superman, which was the sequel to Man of Steel. Yeah. 
they had to compete against civil war yeah which which is cleaned its clock which is which (laughs) which is is a a movie with similar themes that just does everything better Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and yeah cleaned its clock at the box office like made batman v superman had trouble introducing wonder woman into that three-hour movie meanwhile civil war had almost every character that they had created up to that point yeah and it made it feel effortless and introduced Spider-Man. Introduced Spider-Man, yeah. And made it look easy. They're like, let's just have Tony Stark go to his apartment. <laughs> well, okay, shit. Hey, everybody, Spider-Man's here now. <laughs> let's have a little scene that's only about four minutes long where you get to know everything you need to know about Peter Parker. Yeah. But still leave it open for there to be a really great standalone Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. We don't need What Do we have to review it? I think we probably should. Okay, fine. Steve? Yeah? You got your tights on? I do. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to ask you about a, a secret identity because those things don't, thank Christ, fucking exist, really, <laughs> in the MCU. Everybody knows who Iron Man is. He tells him at the end of the movie. There's only one character that has a very strong... Um, secret identity and they had to change reality for him to keep it and that was and that was spider-man yep and he's not even here yet and yeah he's not even here yet so steve let's put on all of our stuff hey come up with a superpower for yourself what's yours um i don't feel guilt at offensive jokes and i do (laughs) we make a great pair He's rubber, I'm glue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're the canceling out twins. No, we're, oh. we'll be called rubber and glue. I like that. And when the supervillain throws an insult, it bounces right off you and sticks <laughs> and to you, me. And you, and you grab it. Or when they shoot bullets. So it, <laughs> it hurts It hurts you, but it can't hurt anyone else. That's right. That's right. All right, Steve, let's you and me get dressed up, jump into our rubber glue mobile, yeah. and let's tear off into the world of Marvel's The Avengers. Steve? Yeah. Take it away. Oh, boy. Well, there's, there's big trouble happening at this top-secret shield facility. Nope. There's not? First, we see the Tesseract. Oh, that's right, yeah. But the Tesseract is at the top secret shield facility. And it's in a, it's, nope. We see a picture of the Tesseract and some dude's talking about it. And that dude ain't a human being. Oh, that's right. There's an alien guy. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and, he, is, and he hands the staff to what who turns out to be Loki. And he's like, and we uh, got an army of aliens and they're going to help him. And he's going to take over the world. And then you're going to get the and Tesseract and you can take over the universe, big boss man. They are in one of the most Marvel comic set pieces that I never thought that it would translate. Yeah. Marvel has this great be- thing of people standing in space just surrounded by rocks. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things that they always seem to do whenever they're doing space cosmic stuff. And that's what we see, like a staircase connected to rocks, and it's just out in space. Yep, yep, <laughs> just floating. And they're like, we're going to go, okay, here you go, here's your Loki pokey stick, you're going to go, and you're going to, you're going to, I stole that from Kevin Smith. Um, believe it or not, Kevin Smith, when he, when he was talking about this movie, he hated the Loki pokey stick. Wow. Because he was ignorant, because he hated the idea that you can just touch somebody and you take over there. He thought that that was a weak plot device. By the time we get to, Jesus, how many, how does it figure into so many different parts of the the MCU from this point Yeah, forward? really. 
So it stopped being just a MacGuffin. I mean, it is never really becomes anything else, but it kind of comes important. Anyway, they give him all of his stuff. We don't know it's Loki. And then the spooky alien guy goes, we're going to kill them all. And everyone's like, yeah, we are. Yippee. And here's our soldiers. And they kind of look like skeleton dog people. Kind of like Egyptian kind of, what are they called? The Chitari. The Chitari, yeah. Mm, my favorite scent from France. <laughs> Chitari. The destruction of your senses. <laughs> then we get the Marvel. We get no that no no no. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck is Paramount doing at the beginning of this movie? Hanging on by its fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> you might have bought this Disney, but we had a contract. We had a contract, and we're going to stick our name on it, even though we did nothing and contributed less. <laughs> We do things. This we used to big, be ours. We have big plans for Star Trek. You'll see. We could have had Star Trek and the Avengers. What have we done? <laughs> then we go to a super secret facility. Yeah, and the Tesseract sure is acting funny. The Tesseract is like getting the burpees. And, yeah. And Coulson's there, and he's like, the Tesseract's acting funny. And who sh- who's there? He comes in on a helicopter. And that's Nick Fury. Nick Fury. And he's like, well, fix it. And yeah. he's telling everyone, fix it. Just make and it Dr. stop doing whatever it's doing. And Dr. And Dr. Dr. Selvig is man. there from Thor. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what it's doing. It's like a massive energy thing. And Hawkeye is there. Yeah. And they call him the Hawk. It's so stupid. Because he's because he hangs out up up high in the rafters. That's right. And he he's there to shoot any of the scientists who are who are slacking. Yeah, that guy took two coffee breaks. <laughs> <laughs> On your cell phone too long. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I only shot through his cell phone talking hand. I didn't kill him. <laughs> anyway, he's like, yeah, everything's acting weird. And then all of a sudden, the Tesseract kind of. Shoots a bunch of laser beams all over the place, and and now our friend Loki is there. Yeah, and he's got his stick, and he's like, "Hey, I'm here to take over the world, so just you know, move yeah. move aside." Everyone just kneel, and they're like, "Nuh-uh," and he's like, "Watch this," and he starts beating up people, and then he he brainwashes Hawkeye, and then he brainwashes Doctor Scientist Man. Yeah, and he's like, "Give me, give me it, give me the Tesseract, I want it," and. Nick Fury's like, no, and he goes, okay, we shoot you now, and he gets shot. And we're like, oh, shit. This is getting serious. Because everyone's evacuated. This is, we didn't establish it. The lead up to this is that they're evacuating it, evacuating the science research thing, because if the Tesseract blows up, it might blow up the whole Earth. Yeah. That's something that's implied. So I don't know why they're evacuating. Why, yeah, where where are you chance. going to go? <laughs> And maybe it doesn't blow up the whole Earth, but just, you know, this part of the Earth. And so um, Loki's, Loki grabs, they grab the thing and they're like, we're leaving. And they leave and they get in and Maria Hill's up there and they see, you know, she sees Hawkeye and Dr. Scientist Man get into a truck. And she's like, where are you guys going? And they're like, shut up. And... <laughs> And then, oh, good, Nick Fury's still alive because he wears a bulletproof vest. Yeah, he's a smart and Nick Fury. Says, and he says they're stealing, they're stealing the Tesseract and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then Maria Hill shoots at him and does his roll. And then we have a car chase in a tunnel, and there's a lot of pew pewing going on. Yeah. <laughs> and she does a whole bunch of car tricks, but they get out, and then the Tesseract goes boom. And then Loki shoot. Uh, Nick Fury got into a helicopter, and then he gets out of a helicopter. <laughs> 
Well, because Loki shot him. Yeah. And then he jumps out and he does a roll and he shoots his tiny little stupid gun at, at the truck that's slowly getting away and he doesn't call the entire United States Army yeah. or or launch a nuke strike. <laughs> like, maybe call the military before they get maybe. away and completely disappear. Yeah, while they drive away in a Jeep, maybe you could, like, feel, call everybody. Feels like somebody could catch him at this point. You have a helicarrier. I think someone could probably follow. You have satellite images. You have fighter jets. Like, you're going to use a fighter jet to threaten someone in the next scene. Why not use one of those? Just we didn't think out. uh, Well, they're just kind of slowly driving away in a Jeep. (laughs) What, they stop at Arby's before they found their secret base? (laughs) Loki was a little hungry. Loki wanted a Jamocha shake, you know? Yeah. I'm going to ask you how you know that. I, I love Arby's. What are you talking about? Do you really I love, love Arby's. Yes. Arby's is the place that has the meat that's like meat. It's not. I, you know what? You're right. It's not. I don't care if it's meat or not. Just pile it up and call it a roast beef sandwich and I will take a I big bite out of it. The last time I ate it in Arby's, I was like 12. And even I went, what is this, daddy? And he said, shut up. It'll keep you alive. Put more horsey sauce on exactly. it. It burns me. <laughs> you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to put it in your mouth. <laughs> no, I love Arby's. <laughs> well, good for you. Good, you can take over the sketch of which Loki has to go eat at Arby's because you know the menu. I don't. Well, of course he would. Or he would want some curly fries. You know. Well, of course yeah. they have curly fries at Arby's. I thought they had those waffle fries. They have those now too, but they're famous for their curly fries. Are they just running out of ideas for French fries? Yeah, Arby's? they just exactly like. Well, we've done everything we can think of to do with meat. How about we do some fry stuff? Now at Arby's, all the fries are in the shape of U.S. presidents. <laughs> Collect them all. And then you should eat them. They don't keep. <laughs> anyway, so then everybody that didn't die because the, uh, the facility implodes. Yeah. And um, Coulson's like, we're in an uh-oh SpaghettiOs kind of moment there, sir. And he's like, a double uh-oh SpaghettiOs kind of moment. And everyone looks very serious, right? Yeah. Because he says, we're at war. And that's like a triple uh-oh SpaghettiOs moment. <laughs> and they're like, what are we going to do now? And then they, they push in on Fury, and then it cuts to the title. Yeah. Uh-oh SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish it was called uh-oh <laughs> That's Now, see, that's a real flex. If Marvel, that's when you know that Marvel has gotten maybe a little too cocky. <laughs> if the, the next Avengers movie isn't even called Avengers, they just call it uh-oh SpaghettiOs. uh SpaghettiOs like, you. <laughs> Fuck you. You know you're going to go see it. It doesn't matter what we call it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Could be fuck you. Give us money. You will watch like, it. Like, come on. Thor and the Hulk and Doctor Stranger in it. You're going to go see it. <laughs> anyway, so we cut after the opening credits to a little light torture and bondage. Just a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, that Joss Whedon believes, believes in strong female characters. The first shot that we get is of Scarlett Johansson tied to a chair in a short dress and a yep. loose top so we can see her cleavage as she jumps around. But she's being she's being tortured. Yeah. Well, yeah she's yeah, getting hit around. She's being interrogated by the Ruskies. We think or, they're the Ruskies. Or, maybe, or somebody, somebody, with, somebody with a funny European accent. I could say another country that will make us all depressed. Oh, you sure could. I could. There's a number I could. Well, so we'll just make it up. It's Badlandistan again. Badlandistan. And, yes. 
and what they think is that they're scaring her but then she gets a telephone call and it's and it's agent colson and he says hey dudes i'm gonna kill you if you don't give the phone to her <laughs> and what does he say he has like a he says a stealth bomber yeah coming. he says there's an f-18 so many miles away and he gave he gives them the exact address of where they are and i think he says uh like give her the phone or i'll blow up your entire block or something like but that this organization couldn't track a jeep i know leaving right? their own facility maybe instead of sending the f-18 after black widow they should have sent it after loki yeah instead of standing around looking looking upset quietly shitting their collective pants some of them one of the people who managed you know one of the trucks a motorcycle had something uh, did they only have one helicopter at the base <laughs> the others were in the shop you know they're getting the oil changed my police department could have followed them we have a helicopter and it doesn't even have a search right like because it has infrared shit <laughs> I know when it's chasing somebody because I see it fly over and it's completely dark except for running lights. I'm like, oh, they're following somebody. Somebody's in trouble. Mm-hmm. They don't have that? Nope. <laughs> nope. Let's just say they don't. <laughs> but they can pinpoint not only where Black Widow is, but they can assuredly destroy the entire block, yep. killing who knows how many people. Um Unless he hands her the phone, he gives her the phone, and it turns out that she's doing this kind of, like, I'm fake-captured kind of thing. Right, to get information out of the guy who thinks he's interrogating her. Mm -hmm. And then we get a couple of minutes of what apparently gets Joss Whedon off, which is women beating up men while their boobs jiggle all over the place. Yep, she beats the crap out of those men. And she does, and then and then Coulson is like, "Okay, I need you to start gathering. This is like a an Omega Code Seven O, o Spaghettio, so yeah. we gotta go, and we're gonna go start collecting these guys we've been watching." And she's, and he's like, "You got the big guy," and she's like, "Okay, you mean um, Tony Stark?" And he's like, "No, I get the cushy job. <laughs> You're gonna get the big guy." And she's like, "Hulk Hogan? Oh, so close, <laughs> almost." <laughs> We never even talked about him being on the team. He's super problematic. He will definitely not take orders from Nick Fury. (laughs) Well, Andre the Giant's dead. King Kong? Jesus Christ. You've read the dossier on the Avengers Initiative? Just, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to give you an address. Just go to that address, okay? (laughs) It's in India. It's in India. Or India stand, because I don't think they ever say it, what country it's in. No. Right? Sure looks anyway, like India. <laughs> we, fall, we cut to what looks like India, and this little girl is running through the streets, and she finds a dude. And who's that dude? The dude is Bruce Banner. My favorite Bruce Banner. Oh, me too. Yeah. I don't care. He really is great. He's terrific. And I, and, um, and I had to be won over, because you know I, I love the Ang Lee Hulk. But, uh, yeah, but I know. Mark, you love what's-his-face. Uh, yeah. Eric Bana, yeah. But, but Ruffalo is perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I like about him, to compare and contrast to the Ang Lee Hulk, is that you really feel like he's burnt. Oh, yes. You really feel like this this whole situation has fucked with him. And you get more of that as we go into the move, further into the movie. Yeah. But he's helping. Here's something funny. Hero shit. He's helping people. <laughs> What's up with he's that? Helping, I mean, he is he is getting money, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. He's helping this family that's sick. And the little girl goes, please. And he goes, okay. And he follows her. And this is one of my favorite things in this movie. They run into this empty house and she just runs straight through it and jumps out the window. <laughs> jumps right out there. And he's like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. 
And that's when he meets uh, Scarlett Johansson, who's the Black Widow, and they have a little discussion about why why he's, you know, they've been following him and tracking him and making allusions to the fact that he's the Hulk. Um, and in, again, in another great scene that doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, he shouts at her and she pulls the gun out and you can tell by the look in her face that she's fucking terrified. Yeah. Right? And we haven't we know I mean fans know he's the you Hulk. You know he's the Hulk, but they never they haven't come out and said he's the Hulk yet. He's he's right. referred indirectly. He said, you know, do you you know, like if you get me too ma- too angry guy. you'll have to talk mm-hmm. to the other guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, okay. Meanwhile, we cut to Nick Fury, and he's having his Ghost Council meeting, yeah. where they're like, "Don't do this, <laughs> please. This is going to turn into an Avengers movie, isn't it?" The meeting should be. We have literally thousands of helicopters that we have paid billions of dollars for. <laughs> How could you, you lose it? <laughs> you couldn't stop a jeep from leaving our own property. I mean, what you're telling me is that the Tesseract was stolen by a very powerful person, I'll grant you, but basically a guy with a fancy space gun. Mm -hmm. As long as we don't get close enough that he can touch us with it and brainwash us, I don't see why we can't just get rid of him the way we get rid of all the other people we get rid of. But he's like, no, don't worry. We're going to invade the privacy of every person on Earth. What? Oh, we're going to use their cell phones, and if he pops up on any of the pictures, we're going to be able to locate him, and then we'll get him that way. What? <laughs> that sounds like a Batman plan. That sounds like, you know, the big moral thing at the end of <laughs> the Dark Knight where Lucius Fox says he's going to quit because... It's wrong. What Batman is doing is wrong? <laughs> And even Batman knows it's wrong, which is why he's like, I'm just going to do it this once, and then... But this this apparently is just a thing yep. S.H.I.E.L.D. can do? S.H.I.E.L.D. just does it. And then we cut to Cappy, Cappy Dappy, da, Cap America, and we get a couple of little flashbacks really quick to explain, yeah, he's a super soldier, and then he got frozen in ice, and he came back to life. That's all you fucking need to know. Yep. He's, and he's punching. He's doing some work on the heavy bag. That's right. And he punches the shit out of it. Nick Fury is like, "Hey, how you doing?" And he's like, "I'm, I'm fucked up. I'm fucked up." <laughs> and he's like, "You want to go hit some people for the U.S. government?" <laughs> yeah. Everybody I know is dead. Everybody, ev- everybody I know is dead. And he's like, "Okay, but look, they found this thing. Remember the Red Skull?" Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like to me, that was just like two days ago. <laughs> Well, you know that box thing that he had? Uh-huh. Well, now a bad guy has it. And he's like, okay, fine. Oh, cool. So it's been 80 years, and you're still fucking up the same way you were fucking up back then. <laughs> Great. For the most part, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, then we cut to Iron Man. Yeah. And he's fixing some sort of wire underneath the Hudson River, and then he flies out, and he goes to a great big ugly building that has his name on it. And a machine comes and takes off all of his armor, and then strips off all of his clothes, and then starts peeling his skin away, and he's like, no, no! Put some of that back! But it's okay, because his girlfriend, not girlfriend, Pepper Potts is there. You know, that on-again, off-again relationship that they keep having. Yeah, like, whenever whenever there's a break between movies, whenever the new movie is, it's like, it's always the opposite of whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, oh, I thought they were together. No, not anymore. Oh, I thought they weren't together. No, no they're together now. They're engaged, actually. Yeah. 
and they're gonna have it they're, they're they're doing some small talk and and then they're, they're um, supposed to have like kind of a, a night together my night yeah because the building's all powered up yeah right they just installed an arc reactor into into stark tower and um you know she's wearing her short shorts because it's a just Mead movie and um who shows up agent cock block colson that's right and he enjoy he likes cock he, block. He, he even over he even overwrote Stark's security yep, system just, to get it. Just walks right off the elevator like, I'm not interrupting anything, am I? And in a nod to how they don't fucking brand shit, he hands him a laptop that isn't from Dell That's or right. Sony or Apple or fucking it. You know what symbol's on it? S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, which makes mm-hmm. sense because S.H.I.E.L.D. does relentlessly yeah. brand shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, they do. And... Um, Pepper's like, you got to take a look at this. And basically, the laptop just spews all the info for Tony to look at, right? Yeah. The Tesseract, Hulk, Captain America, you know, probably some stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Right. They neglect to tell him about Captain Marvel. Well, I mean, no one tells anybody about Captain Marvel. No, she's a big secret. (laughs) She's like a huge secret that no one wants to talk about. Um, and then we fly, and Captain America is on a Quinjet. No, is it Quinjet? What do they call them? It's a Quinjet. Is it a Quinjet, or is no. it, or is it just a like a an air, like a, a plane? It's not a regular plane. It's one of the fancy ones. It's one of the fancy ones. I think it's a Quinjet. Okay. And that's when he meets Coulson. Coulson suppresses a boner while talking to Captain America because he's a super fan. Yeah. Right. He has Captain America and trading cards that he would like to get autographed at some point. That's right. He's, it's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. No. In fact, Nicky Fury is going to use them to motivate the team in a ghoulish way. <laughs> because those cards were in his fucking locker, but they're covered in blood, which means Nick Fury went to Coulson's <laughs> locker, dipped them in his own fucking blood. Wait, before you're done zipping them up, dip, dip, just dip, hang dip, on dip, a second. Dip, dip. Okay. <laughs> I just need some of that blood. Thank you. Because I'm a cold motherfucker. And he does so what then, needs to be done. That's right, he does. So then we cut to the super secret base where they're making something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Dr. Doctor Scientist guy is like, I love this. I love working for you. This is awesome. And Hawkeye, and he's like, we need something. Yeah, we need, it's like I iridium guess. or something that to, right. because they want to, I think it's explained later, but basically they, they want to open a big portal to bring in the aliens. But they need like this extra little ingredient so that it'll stay open long enough. So and Hawkeye's like, "I'll kill anybody," and he's like, "Okay, great." I don't know if this is the scene yet, but then Loki meditates and he goes into the the rocky outer space place. God, I love that set piece so yeah. much. It just fucking guys. I've read uh, Steve's more of a DC guy. I'm more of a Marvel guy. But when I see stuff that, I mean, the rocks in space thing goes all the way back to the 1960s because Marvel didn't give a shit. Nope. If they wanted to depict something in space and they wanted to do something different, Jack Kirby would just put a bunch of rocks with chairs and stairs yeah. on them. <laughs> exactly right. And people walk around and none, none of the comics fan, how do they breathe out there or anything? And no one asked that in this movie either. No one said, how do they breathe out there? No. Nope. Doesn't, doesn't fucking It matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyway, the Chitauri show up and they're like, you better get everything done because we work for a scary guy that we're not mentioning by name. And he's like, but I mean, Loki knows who it is, right? You would think, yeah. 
but they're like, you better do it, or ooh, he's going, ooh, he'll get angry face on you, and you don't want him to get angry face on anybody. And he's like, okay, fine. And then they wake him up. Got to Quinjet. It is a Quinjet. Okay. It's got to be a Quinjet. And it lands on uh, an aircraft carrier. And then Captain America meets uh, Black Widow and meets uh, Bruce Banner. And she says, you guys better get inside because you're not going to be able to breathe soon. Bruce thinks it's a submarine, and he thinks it's a bad idea to put him in a submarine, but it's not a submarine, so everything's fine. No, it's it's a submarine in the sky, though. It's the second most marveliest Marvel thing you can put yep. into a movie. It's a helicarrier. It's an aircraft that carrier defies. that flies. <laughs> well, that flies and can cloak. Yeah. And it's ridiculous, but you're just going with it, aren't you, Steve? Absolutely. At this point. Why not? You didn't question it in the comics. Why would you question it in the movie? It defies all laws of physics. There's no way they're powering that thing, but it just doesn't fucking matter, right? Absolutely. Here's the world. Have fun. Yep. They go up to the bridge. Um, he, Steve Rogers made a bet with Nick Fury that he hadn't seen everything, and he gives him the mind. That's a cute scene where he, where he gives him 10 bucks after he'd seen the helicopter yeah. and everything. And they're like, oh, and by the way, here's Bruce Banner, and he's he's knows all about gamma radiation, right? <laughs> and he's going to help us find the Tesseract. He's not going to turn into a giant green monster or anything like that. Just be really nice to him. Then we get a brief scene where Hawkeye's like, I'm going to go kill people. And he's like, that's when the scene comes up. And they're like, okay. And then we find out that someone, some lunatic, let... <laughs> Let Coulson design Captain America's costume, and he did a bad job because we never see it again past this movie because <laughs> it's fucking awful. It's an awfully bright Pe- blue, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone said his costume from the first movie was adequate. It was perfectly fine. Yeah. Because he actually still looks like a soldier, which is what he is. Right. And But in this movie, they're like, let's make him look like an acrobat from Cirque du Soleil. And they went, okay. Let's give it a try. So, so then this is when we find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. has no problem spying on everyone on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Because they're running, they're running all of the cell phone data on the planet, and there's an algorithm that'll pick up Loki's face, and Loki pops up where, Steve? In Germany. That's right. Stuttgart. Uh-huh. And there are some people going in to see something. I don't know what it is, but Loki shows up, beats up a couple of guys. He takes out this, like, super whisk, and he jams it into the guy's eye. And then we see that Hawkeye's been killing some dudes, and the eye appears in like a 3D hologram kind of thing, so he can break into a place. And then Loki just can't help himself, and he goes out front for a little sublimation, because he loves it, right? Yeah. He's like, he's like, everyone kneel. And he's like, isn't that better? You know what? I'm going to... He has a great line. He says, I'm going to... What is it? He's going to free you from freedom. From the burden of freedom, yeah. From the burden of freedom. He says, what you guys really want is some jackbooted thug stepping on your neck forever, putting you in your place. And then... There's always one old guy. There's always one old guy. The old fuck you guy. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I have lived too long to put up with this shit. Again, again is the implication because that's how long I've lived. And he's like, "Fuck you! I've seen this song and dance before. I ain't doing it again." And Loki's like, "I'll shoot you." And he's like, "I don't give a shit, asshole." <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, 
the old man is saved by the timely America arrival. America saves him. Yes, America saves the timely arrival of Captain America, who says to Loki... And he says yeah. a Captain America line. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was in Germany and I saw a man putting himself above everybody else, we wound up disagreeing. <laughs> Thank you, Superman. Ex- I mean, Captain America. Exactly. <laughs> Is this when Captain America literally out started outshining Superman in popular culture? Because yeah. before this, people knew about Captain America. But after this, everyone loved Captain America. Especially after Winter Soldier. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. Like, And it was like, how is this... I mean, I hate to say it, this B-lister from Marvel out-Supermanning Superman. Well, because he was, was doing because... he was doing he was doing Superman stuff at a time when, in the movies at least, Superman wasn't doing that. That's right. And and he was in and and the excuse that people were using for why Superman wasn't acting like Superman anymore was well, you know, that's boring or it's hard to write, you know, you can't have Superman. He can't be too good. You, people don't want to see the bo- mm-hmm. they don't want to see a boy scout. And over here in Marvel, you can't have someone with ethics and morals. And yeah, and like be interesting. And and meanwhile, <laughs> there's this Captain America doing all these Marvel movies and everybody loves him and he's a, an amazing character and it's like, "Oh, I And he's complicated yeah. and he's he makes stands based on his principles, and he's doing the stuff that they could have done with Superman, but they just didn't have the imagination, yeah. creativity, or insight into the character to be able to do it. Yeah. And Captain America comes along, and for the first time in comics history, Captain America eats Superman's lunch in public. <laughs> yeah. And and the DC's like, I don't understand. We made Superman gritty and dark and con- conflicted about helping people. Is there ever any doubt in your mind about Captain America's desire to help people? Never. 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 And here's the amazing thing. As you said already, Captain America, by his training, is a soldier. Mm-hmm. I mean, his mm-hmm. he was tra- he was trained in World War Two to go kill people. Like that's his job. And he and, and he he still does. And he still does. He still yeah. does. But yes. but he still he still comes across as more sympathetic and more human and and more more caring about the lives of innocent people than Superman does in the more recent Superman movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's more contemplation of his gifts and what kind of life that has given him, what he has lost because of it, right? I mean, he ditches that plane at the end of Captain America, Mm -hmm. knowing full well he was not coming back. Yeah. He was doing the self-sacrifice thing. He was saving saving the United States. He was trying to end the war. He was saying goodbye to a woman that he fucking has never kissed or danced with, but he is completely in love with, right? Meanwhile, our Superman doesn't like helping people. <laughs> yeah. Only gets into personal fights. Yeah. You know, only gets really upset when someone might might hurt his mom. Or his girlfriend. You know, or his girlfriend. Doesn't seem to give a shit about, you know, collateral damage. Nope. Around nope. Him. In fact, in, 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 in certain instances, contributes to that collateral damage pretty directly. <laughs> Meanwhile, this Captain America, in later movies has to console other people by letting them know sometimes people get hurt. Yeah. And he has made, he he has, he tells her you have to be okay with that because not, he has lines like that, like sometimes not everyone comes home because he's a fucking soldier. That's a soldier. soldier. Yeah, that's a soldier's line. That's someone who has been Mm -hmm. in a war and has seen that happen. 
He doesn't like it. He wishes he could change it. But that's a complicated character whose base set of of morals are corny on the face of it. And this line is the corniest line he I think he ever delivers in the movies. Yes. But it's so Captain America. Yes. And then him and Loki have a fight. Yes, they do. <laughs> And then, you know, Black Widow shows up in a, in a Quinjet. And then, of course, Tony Stark shows up playing fucking, what? I, ACDC. ACDC. Yeah. Guys, there are a lot of giddy thrills that in this movie. Because you have to understand, as a lifelong comic books fan, there were certain payoffs in here that could only have been done by Feige or by someone who really knows the, their comic characters well. And what would they're not they're not Easter eggs, they're not winks. Right. There are things in there. And when you know Iron Man subdues Loki and lands, they only say two words to each other, and he says, "He's you know Captain America says, Mister Stark." And Iron Man says, Captain, and you see them standing together, you get this rush, this 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 shiver. Yeah. <laughs> if you've if you've been following these characters at all. And remember, these are the B listers. These are the B lists these are the B list Marvel characters. Everybody took a backseat to the to the X Men in the eighties. Oh yes, absolutely. Like everybody yeah. did. Um, but I still it was there was a I'm I i do not care if I'm reviewing the movie early. There was a part of me that could not believe that they were doing this. Oh sure. Uh, there was a part of me when I was sitting in an audience in the in the afternoon, and the movie theater was fucking packed, and there were three other screens that they were showing this movie on, and. I got roped into the the IMAX 3D one. I don't I don't like 3D all that much. Yeah. Uh, but to know that this movie at the time that I was watching it was becoming the biggest movie ever made was I if you had told me at 12 that this was going to happen, I probably would have told you, shut up, you fucking liar. That's never going to happen because Hollywood hates these guys. They don't know what to do with them, right? You know, we always, in the 80s, we always got promises of superhero movies, right? Yeah. Oh, did you hear Cameron's going to be making Spider-Man? Oh, did you hear that so-and-so is going to try to make the X-Men? And they never panned out, right? They never, they were never made. And when they finally did start making them, they were fucking awful. Oh, yeah. They were fucking awful. So just be sitting there and watching that scene and just have that little moment where two characters that you know all about, hey, it's the alcoholic and it's the Boy Scout, (laughs) (laughs) acknowledge each other and meet each other for the first time. You're like, yay. Anyway, sorry, I'm fanboying. I'm fanboying. No, it's you're right, though. It's it's a big deal. And it's a moment that the movie nails, Mm -hmm. you know, but without overplaying it. Right. Like, there's not, like, a slow-motion handshake, you know, or anything. There's not, like, a big, like, musical sting, and, you know. It's this will like, be the nicest uh, they're going to be to each other for a little while in this movie. For, yeah, they don't get along great right away. <laughs> in fact, they never actually become close friends. No. They, the, they, they're just they, they too have different. A, they're too different. They have a deep respect for each other. Yeah, sure. But they're never, like, you know, buddies. Mm-hmm. And they're flying back on the Quinjet. And we start to notice the differences between Tony, <laughs> between Tony and uh, and Steve. Yeah. And uh, then Thor shows up. Yeah. There's, I, uh, Loki has a good line because they hear thunder, and then I think one of them and Loki looks n- nervous, mm-hmm. and one of them says like, "What are you scared of thunder?" And Loki says, "I'm not overly fond of what follows." <laughs> <laughs> And then Thor shows up, knocks everybody down, and steals Loki. Yeah, and then they have a little brother-to-brother talk. 
Yeah, where they strength, where they actually truly establish one of the big things that becomes really important in Thor and with the Loki character down the road. But it's first, it's amazing to me how many ideas are planted in this movie. Oh, right? yeah. How many tiny little kernels of things that don't pay off for another 10 years or 12 years, you know, 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, and one of them is Thor truly loves his brother. True, he's pissed off at him, right? Right. But all he wants him to do is to come home. And you can kind of see the conflict in Loki in this idea that he has been, you know, he feels that he's been living in his brother's shadow, that he's not really owed all the stuff that was covered in the Thor movie. Right? Yeah, and you actually get this idea that this is the nature of this conflict—that you have one brother that loves and would almost do anything for his brother, and the other one that is lost. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah. And you can see the conflict in Loki, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many people fell in love with Loki was because he wasn't because, totally yeah. bad. Right? He wasn't pure evil. He was doing bad things, but he wasn't like a pure evil, flat, like irredeemable character. Mm -hmm. And then we get something that Marvel likes to do all the time. And what's that, Steve? Oh, you mean where they have a fight? Yeah, where between they, the make, heroes? they where the... like making their heroes fight each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, Iron Man shows up and Captain America shows up and they're like, we want Loki. And Thor's like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Because comic book fight. nerds have been having this argument forever. So-and-so could beat so-and-so because of yep. such and like. <laughs> yep. And of course, Iron Man shows up, and because Tony Stark is a smartass, he he begins by making fun of Thor mm -hmm. and the ridiculous way that Thor talks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, they, and then Captain America shows up and says, "Stop! <laughs> Don't be nice." And Thor doesn't take that right, and then he jumps up and he hits he hits Captain America's vibranium, which should be adamantium, but they lost the rights of that because of X Men, and. <laughs> And it makes a big sound and then knock down a whole bunch of trees. And Loki's still just hanging around. That's weird. Yep. Yeah. Why didn't he try to to get away? Don't That's know. That's funny. That's suspicious. Anyway, they put him in a great big fish tank. And, and Nick Fury's like, you, you try to do anything, we kill you. Okay? That's, that's, that's our understanding. Right? And then everybody meets in the rumpus room. Thor, <laughs> Captain America, and Nick Fury, and and who else is in there? Scarlet, Black Widow Black and Widow. Banner. <clears throat> yeah, Banner. Oh, speaking of planting seeds early, do you remember, because at the very beginning of the movie when Scarlet Witch is all tied up? Yeah, well, Black Widow, yeah. Black, Black Widow's all tied up. What actually motivates her to beat up the guys and, and go uh, take up the other mission? Oh, uh, uh, Coulson mentions Barton. Yeah. He, said, he says he Clint has been compromised. Bart, yeah. Barton's been compromised, and she immediately goes, right? Yeah. Their relationship is one of those rare relationships where you have a handsome guy and a hot girl, and they're not romantically involved with each other. And no, they, they never even hint at that. They don't even hint at it. They are best friends. Yeah. And it's not like it comes from out of nowhere, right? By the time we get to the Hawkeye series that came out, this last this last Christmas? Yeah, yeah. It's not like they just made it up whole cloth. It's already established in one of the first motivating lines for one of the central characters of this film is that your your best friend has been compromised, right? And I'm reviewing again. God damn it. This is going to be forever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd break that up. Anyway, so there's more of them interrogating. All the guys get together. You know, they talk about Loki. 
they talk about what else? Tony Snark just snarks around all over the place. Yeah. He tries he meets Bruce Banner for the first time, which is great because they're both scientists. And yeah. that line about finally someone who speaks my language. <laughs> Yeah, that one, he says. So, he said, "Finally, someone who speaks English." After yeah. Banner reels off like a bunch of techno babble, Tony's mm. like, "Yeah, my one of my people." So they got the Loki Pokey stick, and they're supposed to be investigating the Loki Pokey stick. Um, Steve really doesn't have anything to do, but he really does not get along with uh, with uh, Tony Stark. All that no, much. there's a there's a personality clash there for sure. Because Tony keeps, you know, kind of teasing Banner about being able to turn into the Hulk, and Steve's like. I hate bullies. I'm going to make this stop now. <laughs> yeah. Because he was a bullied kid throughout his whole life. Yeah. It's Characterization. Mm-hmm. Weird um, how that works. So everyone starts talking about, why did Nick Fury do this? Why are we studying this? What's what, what's all the super, I don't know, something along the lines that they don't trust Nick Fury, right? Right. Neither Cap doesn't and Tony doesn't, right? And this is the long in-between scene between, you know, action set pieces. Right. Where people get to say stuff, Thor has to defend his brother, you know, you have these little character moments, and then we have uh, Scarlet Witch go into it, because she thinks Loki's up to something, because Nick Fury also thinks that Loki is there on purpose. They're not that right. dumb. They're not... Because he's, ob- yeah, he allowed himself to be captured. He mm-hmm. hasn't tried to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has that line, why Why do I feel like he's the only one that wants to be here? Yeah. Right? So she goes in and sits down and talks to Loki, and then Loki gets really personal. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, yeah, he uses some strong language because this is when we get more background on 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 uh, on black, black widow's Widow. character where she was assassin and she's got a pretty bloody history uh-huh. and he starts threatening her and she, and she turns around and pretends to cry and then he lets lets it loose by a through implication that um hulk that they're going to trigger the he's going to trigger the hulk and then she, turns out she was faking haha ha, gotcha mm-hmm. which if you think about it some marvel geek somewhere said there's no way loki is the master of deception you would never get tricked by like what shut up nerd you're going to be so God. boy you you are not going to be popular like just, just, it's a movie. Just it's shut a up. Movie. God, how shut up. It's, is is it possible for you to tell a story at all, <laughs> or do you just get hung up on every meaningless fucking detail forever? So then they have a meeting in the scientist room where Tony accuses Nick Fury of wanting the Tesseract to make weapons of mass yeah. destruction. And, and Nick Fury is like, "Yep, that's yep, exactly what we were doing. That's what we're doing." <laughs> But they don't even get that out because they get second confirmation from Steve, who's gone hunting around in their junk drawer and found a whole bunch of (laughs) old Hydra weapons. And then everybody starts arguing. Tony Stark and, and and Steve Rogers start saying you're nothing. The great line of to st- Tony says to Steve, you know everything everything great about you came out of a bottle. Yeah, and, like really cutting like awful remarks. And you're like, oh, the movie's going to end bad, right? <laughs> the heroes are just going to kill each other. They're just going to bicker till the earth ends, I guess. And then they get the notification that they found where the Tesseract is. But then Hawkeye shows up in a Quinjet and he blows up one of the engines. Yep. With and, one of his trick arrows. Mm-hmm. 
he's got trick arrows because he's he, uh, he's you know he said he didn't in the Hawkeye show, but then he did because yeah. he lied. He lied he, to Kate. He didn't want this little girl to get hurt. Steve. Oh, is that why? <laughs> oh, so he's not just a liar. The, every okay. So in, in Hawkeye, what's great is it's very obvious that he's trying to discourage this girl to follow yeah. in his footsteps at every step. He thinks yeah. of himself as a killer. Yeah. And th- he, yeah. And he doesn't want her. This kind of. I love the fact that you have this uncomfortable hero worship. Hero worship, but the reason he's uncomfortable with it is because he doesn't think of himself as a hero, and he doesn't think that he's worthy to be with the Avengers. You know, basically a lot of what the fans were talking about. I like everybody but Hawkeye. Right. He, he has a family and he's stupid. <laughs> he doesn't even have superpowers. He should have died inst- instead of instead of Black Widow. But that kind of completes her arc. It makes more sense that she's willing to sacrifice herself because she feels so bad about her past. And, and look, she friends. got a movie She got a movie anyway and he got a show, so everybody's happy. No, he got a longer movie. <laughs> yeah, he, he got an eight-part movie on TV. He got an, a really awesome eight-part movie on television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so they're all fighting and then the boom-boom and then everyone gets suited up. Iron Man has to go fix the engine with Captain America's help. Meanwhile, bad guys, soldiers are there, right? Yeah. And there's a there's a explosion, and Black Widow and Bruce Banner fall down to the floor, and then uh oh. <laughs> I think Bruce is sick because he's starting to look a little green. He's looking bad, and he turns into the ever-loving Hulk. (laughs) My favorite version of Hulk to appear in the movies. He hulks out, to coin a phrase. Because he's not pretty. He's not some, you know, they didn't make any attempt to make him look handsome. No. Ain't he unglamorous? (laughs) And he's Angry Man now, and Angry Man, I think, is going to kill her. And she tries to get away. Meanwhile, the ship is on fire. Uh, Loki gets out. Loki, okay. Loki gets out by tricking his stupid... No, wait. First, Hulk and... So much happens. Okay, so first, Hulk and Thor fight. That's right, yes. We have so many things where they fight. uh, (laughs) The Hulk tries to pick up Thor's hammer and can't do it, which will reinforce that no one can pick up Thor's hammer except Thor or anyone who's worthy. Who's worthy. The hammer. Uh, Hmm. Because it's magic. And they try to fix one of the big gyros, and um, Iron Man gets caught in it. Uh, Then someone says, we need to get the Hulk outside, so they send a... uh, they send a, a, a fighter jet up to shoot at him, and he jumps on the fighter jet and starts ripping <laughs> that poor pilot. I know. <laughs> oh, shit. But then he falls off the plane, and he goes, and you're like, oh, no. And then uh, they fix the engine, but because of hijinks, the, it catches Iron Man, and then... Captain America has to throw a switch, and then Iron Man gets out, but he's all beat up. And then, oh boy, Thor sees Loki exiting the pot that they have him in. The fish right. Tank. But it's an illusion, and he tricks Thor into going into the pot, and then he locks him in there, right? Yeah, and he's like, you always fall for that. Ha ha ha. But then, you big dumbass. But then Coulson shows up, and he's got a big gun, and he's like, you're going to, what does he say, you're going to lose? Well, he doesn't say yet. But, yeah, but he yeah. says something like that. He, he, well, he says mentions, with a gun, he says, I don't even know what this does. Right. But then Loki uses another one of his illusion tricks, and he stabs him in the back. Oh, backstabber. And Thor's upset. Yeah. And then he drops Thor's pod, and he's going to go crashing down, but he doesn't. He manages to escape. But then 
Loki Coulson's not dead yet. <laughs> and that's when he says you're going to lose. Yeah, because you don't have conviction. You lack conviction. And before Loki can really have a chance to respond, he shoots him with the gun. But it doesn't kill him, unfortunately. No. And then Black Widow catches up to Hawkeye, who's now on the hub, the helicarrier. And they fight, and she hits him really hard in the head, and he gets uncontrolled, right? Yeah. And um, even she doesn't believe that, so she knocks him unconscious. <laughs> and... Um, everybody, oh, and as it calms down, then Nick Fury finds Coulson, and Coulson says they needed, he basically alludes to the fact that they needed something like this to motivate them. Yeah, well, he, he, he dies, I think the line he was going to, it's leading us to think he was about to say they need something to avenge. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. dies before he actually says avenge, because that would be a little too on the nose. But that's, yeah. that's yeah. what he was about to say. It's yeah. called restraint. weird huh how that works in a movie with helicarriers and and norse gods and aliens (laughs) anyway he's dead he tells everybody that colson's down and then we have a a mopey meeting where apparently he just called stark and captain america because nick fury knows that those are the two biggest dicks on the team and they have to get along or it's not going to work and he quickly grabs the cards out of Coulson's locker, dips them in, in Coulson's blood. <laughs> and he's like, Coulson believed in, believed in a stupid idea like getting all the greatest people together. But I guess he's dumb and we're all dead. And this is when we get to the sad part. Thor's out in a field and he goes to pick up his hammer, but he's hesitant for some reason. And Banner landed in an empty warehouse and Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> throws him some he clothes. Says, you can borrow some of my clothes, son. It's <laughs> not going to fit. You're a skinny old man. Just try it. I've recently had a serious weight loss. <laughs> I tell you, they could have put a Jenny Craig ad right in there, but then they I tried Jenny have. Craig. <laughs> but they didn't do product placement in this one. I replaced two of my meals every day and shit my brains out. Now I... <laughs> Now my purple pants don't even fit me. (laughs) Barton snaps out of his being brainwashed with with Black Widow, and it establishes their friendship. Although some people thought, are they like, are they fucking? They could be. I don't know. Maybe that's the only reason why a woman would want be care of for a man. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. But then um, uh, Captain America and Iron Man have a talk, and then they figure out where the th- the thingy is going to be to open the portal to let the bad aliens in. And where is that? Well, they figure out it's going to be uh, Stark Tower because right. one of the things that they need is they need a, a, a really great big power source to run it. And, of course, Tony just installed that arc reactor to run Stark Tower. And plus, Tony also puts together that, well, Loki's like an egomaniac, so he'd want right. to do it in some place where everybody would see so and it takes an egomaniac to recognize game and yeah, that's exactly when to- that's when tony goes okay i know where it is and it's on my building and so they all go hawkeye and captain america and the guys who can't fly go into quinjet and iron man goes in flies in by himself and he lands at stark tower and he takes off all of his well because his, his suit's pretty broken up yeah and then him and loki have a nice little discussion and then loki tries to brainwash him but he doesn't know that stark has that thing in the middle of his chest right yeah it's a cute moment he touches stark on the arc reactor and he's like and he, he taps it like two or three times and it doesn't work and he's like what mm-hmm. the fuck <laughs> and then we get the biggest action set piece ever to date how, how, <laughs> up to that point <laughs> up to this uh, up to that point 
Um, they open up the thing, and the aliens start coming through, and they're pew-pewing all over the place, and then we get Marvel guys doing Marvel things all over the Marvel fucking place. Oh, my God. Fighting together and doing all that stuff, and then we get what is, I think, like literally the first splash page. And if you guys don't yeah. know what a splash page is in a comic, it's usually a two-page with some something happening in the middle of it. And it is, it is the iconic scene from the Avengers where they're, they're, they're taking the camera around them as they all land in a group. And you can yeah. see all of them you know get together. That is a splash panel. That is the huge big thing. And they did it again in Ultron, and they've used it sparingly, but they have yeah. used it. I mean, let's face facts. Avengers Endgame is that super annual that's twice as big as the rest of the comic books. Yes, exactly. And features everybody when they're all running to go fight Thanos' army, that is the splash page. That that's the splash get. page, yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, there's a bunch of stuff. Thor tries to convince his brother to stop it. He doesn't stop it. There's a bunch of Chitauri and shooting and, sh- and things and cops saying let's evacuate stuff and Cap saves a woman who seems to be very important because of cutscenes. <laughs> the woman from the bank. The blonde lady from the bank. Yes. There was supposed to be some sort of romantic setup between her and, you know, someone else. Hulk's hulking all over the place. Uh, Hawkeye's shooting stuff. They're kind of turning him back, but they keep sending in these gigantic worm things with wings that are super scary. They make mention of how they need to evacuate people and keep people safe. Right, Man of Steel? <laughs> yeah. It's it, like half of what they do. They actually, they, they basically, they have that little rally meeting um, where Captain mm-hmm. America kind of takes charge and he gives everybody assignments. And like half the team, their job is to make sure the civilians are cleared out. Civilians are cleared out. And anybody that makes it past 53rd Street, send them back here. We don't want the engagement to go past that Right. Point. That's Iron Man's job. Maintain a perimeter. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody get any further out. Yeah. Right. So they, they can try to localize the damage because they have to, you know, what, are, what else are you going to do? Just let them and, show and all, up and kick ass. And, and also, I, I noticed this as well, um, for as much damage as is done to New York in this scene, and there's a ton of it. Oh, sure. They don't knock down any skyscrapers. There's no like 9-11 level destruction There's like there was in Man that, of Steel. There where... is one that starts to fall down because of one of the giant worm things, but they don't, it's not It's not destruction porn. You can right, kind of exactly. see it start to fall and then they cut away to something else. And because... most of the damage that like the heroes themselves are involved, like the Hulk tears up a bunch of buildings, but it's mostly like superficial damage. He's not like tearing entire buildings down with people mm-hmm. in them, you know. <laughs> and what became the plot for Civil War? collateral damage collateral damage yeah how much damage did they do how how responsible should they be right yeah but anyway we just get to see them killing killing giant worms and shooting stuff and oh we got to stop the machine and then the shadow council goes we're just we're just nuking the place (laughs) (laughs) nick fury's like oh i wish you wouldn't do that i think that's a bad idea and they're like who do you think you are and he's like i'm samuel jackson (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am going to shoot a bazooka at one of my own planes. Be right back. <laughs> he does do a couple of funny things when, after he, because they launch one anyway, and he blows that yeah. plane up. But then another plane takes off, and he pulls out his little pistol. And I'm like, he pulls what you, out his gun. <laughs> what do you think you're gonna do? You're gonna shoot the plane. You're gonna shoot the fighter jet out of the sky with your pistol. Mm-hmm. 
But they managed to tell Iron Man that they've launched a nuke, and meanwhile Black Widow is up on the machine, and they say, we can stick the Loki Pokey stick through, and we'll be able to turn off the machine, and so Iron Man does the thing that Tony Stark does, which is as much of a jerk as he is, as big of an asshole as he can be, there is something inside of him that does this. He's accused of not being able to do it by Captain America. Yes. And that is sacrifice himself. Yeah, yeah. And he and he grabs a hold of the nuke, and the, he flies up through the portal that's been opened up in the sky, and he throws that nuke at the giant ship that's coming. <laughs> he sure does. Fuck you. He blows it up, and then all the Chitari die like the droids in the Phantom Menace for some reason. Yeah, it's just easier that way. Mm-hmm. And the the hole closes up, and we're like, uh-oh. Oh, we forgot the best scene, uh, the only line that the Hulk has. The Hulk forgets to Loki. Oh, and he's, yeah, he, he Loki's about to give one of his big speeches, and Hulk just grabs him by the ankle and fucking ragdolls him. <laughs> and then says, puny god. Anyway, so they, Tony falls through the hole. Thor is starting to swing his hammer because he's going to go up and try to save him, but Hulk catches him, yep. and they land on the ground, and then they think Tony's dead for a second, but then the Hulk yells at him, and he wakes up, and they, they've they won. They've yep. won. They're all banged up. It's not It's not like it was easy. They, 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 no. they did win, and Fury's talking to the Shadow Council, and the Council, and he's like, Dude, are you going to apologize now? You're going to apologize for launching a fucking nuclear weapon at New York City? <laughs> at New York City? You- <laughs> fucking psychopaths but he makes a point he's like hey the whole point was to tell all the other alien worlds back the fuck off you don't get to come here doesn't work nick but he (laughs) but it's a nice thought right exactly and then we get that shot of all the heroes with uh, capturing loki another splash panel of all of them standing there and then we get the the news media is all happy we get our stan lee cameo everyone's talking about the avengers the lady the love interest that isn't because of cut scenes gets to say something about captain america saving her life <sighs> and you know then loki and thor go home go home with the tesseract and they have that what end line which is you know they'll be back because we'll need them to be or something yeah and then we see tony and pepper in stark tower going over plans to repair stark tower i guess but i mean all that's left of the stark name at the top of it is what just the a uh-huh and if you're a comic book nerd you go oh boy (laughs) i know what that's gonna be and then you hit the credits and you're like yippee and then (laughs) they do something don't get up yet (laughs) (laughs) well because they they what they do is is that they have filmed credits or each character they show like part of the costume or something like that. Right? Oh right, like like an object associated with them. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know this was coming when I saw it because I saw it on opening day. It wasn't like someone cued me in and said, "Oh, you have to stay through the credits." It was right. like, "Okay, I'll watch the credits and we'll watch this little thing and it'll be fine." And then all of a sudden, they change movies forever. <laughs> yep. Yep, because we get the mid-credits scene, which has now become almost standard issue in Marvel movies. Uh-huh. And it was one of those things, one of the things that happened, number one, upon reflection, because my brain filled with blood and I nearly fainted when they did it. Um, 
So we see the thing, and the Chitari's like, we got our asses kicked, really. We're like, we're really sore, and we're not going back to Earth because they'll just kill us. And this is a bad idea. And he's talking to somebody, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yes, he and, is. And the line is is to, uh, what is it, to To challenge the humans challenge. is to court death. Yeah, and then we don't even get his whole face. No, this, and, and, and his name is never said. Nope. Uh, just the, the illusion by saying death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this guy looks around and he kind of smiles and the non-comics fans go huh? but the rest of the comics fans went holy shit <laughs> <laughs> oh they're doing that oh fuck and it was a weird mix of gasps and screams of joy right yeah because they had just gotten this movie and it was like Kevin Feige said, no, we're not done yet. We're yeah. not done yet. There's an even bigger one coming. There's something else coming. <laughs> not oh, right boy. away. <laughs> You're going to have be, to wait a while. Be patient. But in we're, like five or six years, trust me. <laughs> it's just going to build and build and build. And then we make all the money. And then it's over, right? Is there an after? We, yeah, yeah, then, th- then the there's after them credits. eating shawarma at the end, yeah. Yeah. After the credits. It's and cute. It's cute. I like it. I like it. And then the movie's over. Steve? Yep. Tell me what you think of this. It's going to be a classic movie. It's going to be a movie that they're going to teach in the business film schools, probably. I don't think they're going to be pointing out, oh, "Oh, the cinematography was so great and it was such great writing. No, they're going to be talking about it's going to be a class called Kevin Feige and how to make all the money. And they're going to... They're, I mean, this movie is going to be remembered forever. It's another Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz doesn't have anything to say. It was, it's pure entertainment, and it just keeps going on and on forever. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the popularity of superhero movies will, will wane and gain popularity over the next who knows how long, but everyone's going to point back to the Avengers, right? Oh, sure. Of course. It's, it's a movie that parents can pass down to their kids. There's nothing truly horrific in it, you know, and kids get motivated they get excited about seeing the superhero movie when they're four years old and they get infected with this horrible disease that i've been infected with since i picked up a goddamn comic book steve how do you feel about this movie the abenders <laughs> well first of all i do think i think you're right i mean you know the the popularity of westerns comes and goes but people still always remember like the searchers you know uh, the popularity of fantasy films comes and goes but people always remember the wizard of oz like i do think mm-hmm. re- regardless of whether superhero movies are like popular at the time i think this is one of those movies and you know the the major milestones in this franchise will probably always be touchstones just like star wars yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like it'll it'll just be a thing that people who love movies and love having a watching a movie that's fun and entertaining and is just a good time mm-hmm. you know and will they'll always come back to it um but i mean watching this movie now after 10 years isn't it amazing how after 10 years the biggest movie ever can come to feel modest and quaint in comparison comparison. to what came after it yeah i mean that is just astonishing when i think about it because you're right when when this movie came out and i feel like i we said some of these same things when the first iron man came when we did when we reviewed the iron man movie on the show Mm -hmm. but it applies even more so here because at the time this movie felt like much bigger than iron man right this was like the this was the culmination right this was like when this movie came out 
it was the culmination of like four years of building this thing up of establishing iron man and captain america and thor and the hulk as like the four pillars of the team Mm -hmm. and then also he also brought in black widow and hawkeye who didn't have their own movies but were introduced in supporting roles in iron man movies and thor movies so you knew that they were there you know so when they came back for the avengers it was like you already knew who they were if you had seen the earlier movies and plus nick fury and if you hadn't it drove you to go get to go rent the DVDs. Sure. To go watch the other. They came out with a box set of all the movies all the way up to the Avengers that came out that everybody bought at Christmas time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, Nick Fury and Agent Coulson as well, who were sort of like the connective tissue that they kind of appeared in all the movies up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this was this was a risk. This was a commitment from the studios involved and from the actors involved. And when this movie came out, I think a lot of us who had enjoyed the solo movies that had come out up to this point leading up to it, were just hoping they wouldn't screw it up. They will. Pl- yeah. It was, and you won't be able to relate to this, but when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out, I was literally sitting in the movie theater going, please don't, sh- please don't fuck this up. Right. Just, just don't screw this up. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the greatest movie ever. Just at right. least make, please just let this be okay. Because we'd already done gotten burned by the prequels. Yeah. 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 And, mm-hmm. and the thing about the Avengers was not only did they not screw it up, it's a damn good superhero movie. Yep. Uh, is it one of the best superhero movies ever? I I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I don't know. At this point, after 10 years later, I don't even know if I would put it in the very top tier of MCU movies. Um, but it's good. Like, yeah. it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun, and it's funny, and it's exciting, and it's entertaining. It's an outstanding popcorn movie. And I mean that as a compliment. A lot of times we use that phrase kind of dismissively, like, you know, well, it's a popcorn movie, but it's not like serious art. There's nothing in the world wrong with a great popcorn movie. No. And, and that's exactly what this is. And there are two things that I think are, for me, the biggest factors contributing to making this movie a success. And the first, again, is something that was also an important reason for the success of the Iron Man movie, both creatively and financially, and that is Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not so much the lead in this as he is like the most important member of the ensemble. He's sort of sure. like a, the, the greatest among equals kind of thing. Um, but he continues to set the tone for the entire project. He's loose and funny and just amazingly confident like you see him on screen and there's not an ounce of doubt in his mind he knows exactly what he's doing he is a consummate professional and like he knows when to be a smart ass and when to get serious and he can do both of those uh convincingly he doesn't hit a false note the entire time he's on screen He's a good enough actor that his scripted lines and his improvs are indistinguishable from each other. Like Mm -hmm. he makes everything sound like he's just making it up as he goes along. And he injects energy and conflict into these scenes where the other heroes are having to fight with each other uh, without making it seem forced. Because that's just his personality. Like that's Tony Stark. He's arrogant and abrasive and thinks he's smarter than everyone. Um, But like you said, I mean, when we were doing the synopsis and it gets to the part where he has to, you know, take the nuke, like he's also the heart of the movie because his character is the one with the most significant arc. 
and it's a continuation of the arc his character has been on. Really, it's the, the his arc for the entire franchise, like in, yeah. until until Endgame when they finally have him make the ultimate sacrifice. That's the arc of Tony's character, going from being the selfish know-it-all to being the guy who will make the selfless sacrifice to save everybody. Uh-huh. Um, and he does a what turns out to be a small version of that here because he does a much bigger version of it in a later movie. Oh yeah, he does. But but he does that here, and and it and it lands. It means something when when because you know it's the first Avengers movie, and I don't think anybody really expected them to actually kill off Tony Stark. No. But you get the feeling that Tony thinks he's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, and they play that up. Like Jarvis asks, "Do you want me to call Miss Potts?" You know, and Tony just when you have those close-ups of him in the helmet, like he just he plays it like, "Okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to save everybody, but I'm going to die doing it." Right? They they play that up, and you believe that he believes it, so mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot overstate how important Robert Downey Jr. is to the success of not just this movie but of the MCU completely and and to the MCU becoming what it has become because if he had not been cast as Tony Stark and if he had not been given the creative latitude to play that character in that way and set the tone of that first movie I am not sure we'd even be talking about these movies 10 years later or 15 years later Um, he got it and he set the tone for everything that followed Let's, let's use this as an experiment if they had t- cast Tom Cruise in Iron Man. I was just thinking that, yep. Tom Cruise doesn't bring the same set of skills that, that Downey does. And so a lot of the humor, a lot of what makes Tony Tony, he just would have been an arrogant ass. It would have been Maverick Part 2. And we pr- probably would not have engaged as closely with the Iron Man character. It's hard to say. Um, maybe they would have played to Cruise's strengths, but I don't think improv is one of them. No, no, I don't think I don't think Tom Cruise is. And I look, I I think in many ways Tom Cruise is an underappreciated actor, but I don't think Tom Cruise is the kind of guy who you just give a mediocre script and say, well, he can improvise and he can make it work, mm-hmm. you know, or we can mm-hmm. well, we can we can put our heads together on the set and come up if the scene doesn't quite get there on the page, but we can figure something out. Because and that, remember, they didn't have a script for Iron right. Man. That that. That's what, yeah, that's exactly what the first Iron Man was. They, there were, they were figuring it out as they went along, and, and Downey was Downey a big part of that. And Jeff Bridges in the cast, yeah. So they were fine because Bridges can play <laughs> fast and loose too if he needs. Absolutely, to. yeah. Um, but yeah, so Downey really sets the tone for the entire franchise, and he sets it for this movie as well. And one of the ways he does that is by being totally unselfconscious about the fact that he was in a superhero movie. <laughs> he he never seems embarrassed. Nope. He never seems bashful. He never seems lost. He never seems uncommitted. He never seems like he thinks he's above it or like he's slumming it to be in a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Um and that brings me to the second thing that makes this movie work, which is that it embraces its roots in superhero comics. Mm-hmm. It makes no apologies for being a big, silly superhero movie, and it takes what works on the comic page and it translates that onto the big screen. And this is something that I know you and I have talked about both privately and on the show when we've talked about Marvel movies in the past. That it's one of the, to me, it's one of the secrets of what makes the MCU so great. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned the outer space scenes you know which are pure classic marvel and and you know there there are those scenes there are there's the alien invasion in new york city Mm -hmm. which which was a departure for the movies up to that point the closest we had come to that so far is thor who is technically an alien 
mm-hmm. but isn't really presented that way, you know, in, and in also, his movie. Can I just mention? Yeah. Marvel is New York centric. Yes, this is absolutely. the first time that anything in New York has played out. That's true. That's and true. It, all the other stuff had different settings. The the Hulk movie that had preceded this was I don't I have no idea where it was, but it well, wasn't New York. No. And uh, Thor was in New Mexico, and um, Iron Man was you know the West Coast. The West Coast Diego. mostly, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing that makes Marvel Marvel is that almost every comic you picked up took place in New York City. Yep, New York Spider-Man, was the center of the universe. Yep. Yeah, Spider-Man, the Avengers, you know, even in the lower tier characters, you got Daredevil, Luke Cage, Power Fist, all of them were New York based. And that's because almost all of the writers were, it was just easier. They weren't going to make up some fucking city like DC does at the drop of a hat. We have a new hero. What city does he live in? I don't know. Cleghorn City. Great. We'll just go with that. We don't care where it is on the map or what state it's in. But with Marvel, they took a more realistic approach. So having it set in New York is also one of those little things that just makes it feel like such a Marvel property. Yeah. Well, and and like you were saying earlier, and this is another thing about the movie that I really appreciate, is that it, it, it establishes that it was made by people who have a familiarity with the source material and with the characters, either either because it just goes way back and they've been fans for their whole lives or they did their homework when they got hired to make this movie. And but it doesn't do it in a wink, wink fan service kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't it, it doesn't do it in a ah, that, I bet that looks familiar, huh? Because I there there are a few things that irritate me more immediately in movies especially like superhero movies then stuff like that i hate it when they're like it's point and mm-hmm. wink and like ah fan service ah you like that don't you like mm-hmm. there's very there, there's almost none of that in this movie but it's obviously done by people who know the source material and trust that if people who also know the source material come to see this movie they will see things that they recognize and that they'll appreciate it but it won't stick out like a sore thumb like obvious fan service and um, uh, also what a difference an executive producer makes yeah, absolutely. Because if they, if it had been just a suit, you know, someone who looked at this as money, just money. I have no doubt that Feige was looking at money too. Of course. But there is a, through the interviews that I've heard with Feige, he has a deep, not only just knowledge of the Marvel comics, but a, a genuine love for them. And he is always thinking about the fans. How mm-hmm. far can we push something? How different can we make these characters without them being the characters that they love from the comics? And so that influences that in well, that's influenced the entire MCU. And it's one of the reasons why it's been so readily accepted by Marvel fans. Um, you don't hear a whole lot of Marvel fan backlash, the stuff that we're making fun of, right? Yeah. Well, that isn't what happened in Zinia and it's not happening there. And what they did was brilliant. They said, Oh, this is the Marvel cinematic universe. It's part of one of the multiverses that we right. established in the comic books. Right. The comics universe exists in another universe. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, not saying if- that this is the way it's going to be in the comics this is right. just another dimension and it exists alongside the other ones we're going to double down on that in the upcoming movies because dimension <laughs> shit becomes really that's really going to be a big thing <laughs> just you wait until you see the third spider-man fucking movie <laughs> oh. you'll lose your goddamn minds you're gonna all shit your pants <laughs> you just wait 
Um, but yeah, but and you're speaking of executives, right? Like I'm sure, I don't know this for a fact and maybe there weren't, but I would imagine there was probably an executive either with Marvel studios or with Disney or somebody involved or in both. this at some, or yeah. who, who maybe was a little skittish about, you know, like, Oh, th- this franchise started out with Iron Man and, you know, Tony Stark was held hostage by terrorists in Afghanistan. And now we're having like aliens coming out of a hole in the sky. Like, are, are people going to accept this? And you mean that unemployed executive? Now? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and I was, I mean, fortunately, if that person exists, they were not listened to. No. Because the truth is, just as we have accepted silly, outlandish stuff in superhero comics for mm-hmm. decades, we will also accept silly, outlandish stuff in superhero movies as long as it works. As long Howard, as there is. Howard the Duck is an Easter egg in the MCU. Yes. And just like he is in the comics now. And they're not ashamed. No. They they literally just put him in. And granted, it's fan service. But I mean, they literally have put him in there because they love the comics. And they're not afraid of saying, yeah, there's a talking duck. Well, and it's kind, that's kind of like a marking your territory, too. Because be, before that, you know, Howard the Duck was this infamous bomb. Yeah. And people used to say, like, well, you know, sure, they're, they've got Iron Man right, but they're not going to do Howard the Duck. And it was sort of like, <laughs> you want to bet? Like, here he is. <laughs> I you never, know? I never thought I'd see a rocket raccoon appear in the no. movie. Ever. And he, and now he's like a breakout character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was, he was basically an honorary Avenger in, yeah. in Endgame. He was a yeah, big, was. important character. And uh, all of that shit started here. Yeah. Well, because we'll accept the silly stuff as long as there is an emotional reality to it that allows us to suspend our disbelief and get invested in the outcome of what's happening. And the creators of the Avengers and of the MCU in general recognize this and they don't waste time trying to make it seem plausible from a real world perspective. Right. Nobody gives a shit about that. That's not important. They work on giving us characters that we can care about and telling a story that hooks us and makes us want to see what happens next. If you can get that, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. And the key to that is getting us involved in the characters. Yeah, yeah. And the story follows the same basic classic structure of a superhero team-up comic. And we, we like we talked about when, when they have the first fight in the woods with Cap and Iron Man and Thor, where mm-hmm. the heroes meet each other. At first, they don't like each other. They have a fight, sometimes because of a personality conflict, sometimes because of like a misunderstanding where they think each other is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But, but ultimately, they unite to face the common threat. And that's what happens in this movie. And that, again, that's like superhero crossover 101. And yep. that's, that's how this movie movie works and the script does a really good job of juggling all these characters remember again talking about how quaint this seems remember when this felt like a lot of characters <laughs> <laughs> like god damn we had no idea what was coming um but like everybody has little moments everybody has little setups and payoffs there's something that we mm-hmm. didn't talk about during the recap um bruce banner has a secret and because yeah. like because like when when tony is kind of you know egging him on on the helicarry to say like you know how do you stay so calm? How have you how have you kept from hulking out for so long? Because I think Black Widow tells him in their first scene, like she alludes to the fact that it's been over a year since he hulked out. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's kind of like a running thing in the movie of like, what's his secret? How does he prevent himself from hulking out? 
and uh, and then that th- that gets a payoff in the Battle yep. of New York, where the he's about to go fight the Chitari, and he's walking toward the aliens, and Captain America says, "You know, Doctor Banner, this might be a good time for you to get angry," and he just turns to Cap and says, "That's my secret, Captain." I'm always angry. And then he just effortlessly <laughs> turns into the Hulk. And it's a great moment because it's it's like a payoff that you weren't even necessarily expecting. Yep. And it was it's beautiful. And um and you know, there's Colson's hero worship of Captain America. There's the the Black Widow Hawkeye thing we talked about. Like the every every character has a thing, you mm-hmm. know, that is a setup. Colson's and a, Captain America hero worship starts as a joke and turns serious. Yeah, it becomes very moving, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, so so it all all of these moving parts hang together really well. So um I mean there's a lot more I can say, but I'll I'll just wrap up with this. The um the Avengers is both the culmination of the MCU up to this point and the setup for what came after. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aftermath of this movie becomes important backstory for the Marvel Netflix shows, most of which were awesome um, for the MCU oh, yeah. ver- for the MCU version of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the box office, which was tremendous to say the least, um, <laughs> proved that this franchise was viable and was going to be around for a while and, and uh, made it basically inevitable that other movie studios were going to try to replicate it. So yeah. if this yeah. movie had not been successful, the MCU and the movie industry in general general would be very, very different today. Oh, and who knows what it would be right now, yeah. It, yeah, and it's possible that the MCU and other major superhero franchises from other studios might not even still be active or certainly they wouldn't be as as prominent as they are mm-hmm. um, and we can say that for better and for worse because it hasn't changed the movie industry completely for the good <laughs> it's not it's not a, a, a completely good thing that superheroes eat up all of the oxygen in the movie industry but that's not um, the movie's fault no it's not it's not and and you know just by the basis of its influence on the business and the popular culture it's one of the most important movies of the last 30 years at least and mm-hmm. judged on its own merit it's just a damn good fun satisfying action adventure movie so mm-hmm. there you go that's okay. i'm done <laughs> i'll be i'll be brief okay because we're hitting the three hour mark <laughs> well two hours and a quarter we still got some time Whatever. um i'm gonna everything that steve said i agree with um and I think one of the more important things is something that a lot of the movie movie studios don't learn things the way you would think people would learn things. And one of the reasons why the Avengers still stands apart from all of the other imitators that came after them, whether it's DC or whether someone picked up this other property or some other franchise that they wanted to make a whole lot of money on, you know, Universal wanted to do their dark universe. The thing that they keep forgetting is the reason why we keep watching these movies is not for the parts where people punch each other. Yeah. Those parts are great. Don't get me wrong. But the reason we watch these movies is because we give a shit about the characters in them. I've said this to Steve on several occasions. I said, oh, you know, it's really funny for me and for a lot of people. But for me specifically, I tune out. When I rewatch one, uh, a Marvel movie, I kind of tune out when the fighting starts. Mm-hmm. Right? But the scenes that people remember, the scenes that people talk about are the scenes of character development. And that's because these movies understand 
just like the comic book fans understood, that this is a soap opera. This is yeah. a soap opera with superheroes. And if you give a shit about the people, it really doesn't matter what happens in the next movie. You might hear shitty people saying, there wasn't enough action or there wasn't enough special effects. If that's all you go to see movies, fine. You have shitty taste in movies. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> But the reason why we all came to watch this movie, yes, it was to see all of these characters come together, but it was for these characters to come together. Mm-hmm. How is how is the interaction between Tony Stark and, and Captain America going to be? What is it going to be like when all of these characters start bumping heads with one another, right? Because we gave a shit. We gave a shit at the end of Captain America, um, the first Avenger, because it was bitter fucking sweet. Holy yeah. shit, was it bittersweet. Yeah, absolutely. It has one of the most jaw-dropping, just like, oh, you're ending there, because Cap's, Cap's sad. He's sad. <laughs> <laughs> He's not happy at all. Um, and you gave a shit. You, you care about them. And you know a little bit about them. And what's amazing is some people came to this movie and they hadn't seen the other films. They were like, they saw Captain America and they're like, I don't want to see a movie set in World War II. This is stupid. And then they saw this movie and they said, I really want to watch Captain America. Yep. I want to go back and I want to watch that movie and see what happened prior to that because that boy, I like him. He's neat. And he's funny, but he's not trying to be funny like Tony Stark. He's just funny because, boy, is he a fish out of water, right? I love that line that he has in the in the middle of it when someone references the Wizard of Oz. Yes. And he goes, I get that reference. I get that reference. <laughs> and that becomes part of his character because, remember, in Winter Soldier, he's keeping a notebook of things that people keep re- recommending him. <laughs> yes. Like Star Trek and Star Wars are both on the list. Yeah. And... You know, the Beatles and, you know, it's, you know, lots of other stuff. It becomes part of his character that he's out of time. He's not he's not fully integrated into our society and he's carrying values and ideals that maybe don't work so great in a government that is all a shade of gray. Right. But yeah. um, in this movie, it's not a, a, a shit ton of character development, but it's there. They understood that we need to like them. And understand them in order for us to root for them and to feel scared that they may not succeed or or they might die, right? Tony Stark is an asshole. He is... Just, yeah. I, if you knew Tony Stark in real life, you wouldn't be able to stand to be around him because almost all of his cutting remarks are directed at you because he doesn't think you're as smart as him or yeah. as rich as him or as cool as him, right? And you're not. Um, and if... <laughs> Tom Cruise had played that that role, and he was delivering those kinds of lines. Everyone would hate his fucking yep. guts, yep. because he'd come off as like some kind of douchey frat boy, right? Instead, or you would you would have to have him be the douchey frat boy at first, and then he would have to basically totally change his character, and drop when, his entire yeah. personality, and change yeah. his change his thing. It was great. About have to, he would have to be humbled. Is that he does grow, he does become a better person, but he never loses his snark. Yeah, right, because that's just part of his personality so in this the snarkism is in full force he gets to change and and then what's really important is that the point being made is that deep down captain america was wrong about him mm-hmm. and he was wrong about captain america yeah right he dismisses captain america what we find out later is because his dad wouldn't shut up about him right his yeah. father would not stop talking about him um so he has a little bit of resentment towards that but in this movie it is because they are so they're they're what's really funny is that they both distrust they both distrust shield but for different reasons right 
Um, the rest of the characters, Thor doesn't really get a whole lot, except for the stuff with Loki, and and that's going to pan out in later films. We've, but we get enough establishing Black Widow's and, and, and Hawkeye's friendship, and we get to see the deal with Banner, right? Mm-hmm. And the deal with Banner is he's scared he's going to hurt people. Yep. Which has not been present in any other Hulk movie. <laughs> not really. <laughs> That he is a good man who realizes that there is something inside of him that he can't stop, and that he what does he what does he say as soon as he wakes up in the rubble in that warehouse? Did I? Hurt oh yeah, anybody? he asks if he hurt anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thankfully, dude says no. In fact, it looks like you were aiming for the warehouse, and that that's nice. Thank yeah. you, Harry Dean Stanton, for saying that. But to keep it short, this is a great movie. Is it deep? Nope. Does it make us question our beliefs? Nope. Does it make <laughs> us think about the pol- current political situation in the world? Nope. It doesn't really think too highly of shadow governments, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, not so much. Does S.H.I.E.L.D. play fast and loose with, the mor- with morality? Sure it does. They are a secret organization. <laughs> and, they, and Nick Fury is not timid about the fact that he does what he thinks he needs to do in order to protect, at this point, planet Earth. Yeah. And he's really good at his job, right? You say that Coulson is kind of the thread and that Iron Man is kind of the thread. Nick Fury is kind of the th- is the overall thread through oh, the yeah. MCU. I agree. I agree. Okay. Nick Fury is the Svengali who is overseeing all of this stuff and take and he has faith in the fact that if he brings these guys together they're going to be able to do the thing that they need to do, right? So is it an important movie? Yeah, yeah it is. But is it like if you're trying to, you know, oh, I want to understand the suffering of humanity more. I want insight into the psychology of I don't know, superheroes. I it's the shit that the other movies are trying to do and failing. <laughs> not doing me. not doing well, yeah. <laughs> when they should be starting with who is this character, what is important to them, what what affects them and how yep. would they react within these situations. They got a guy as much as shit as we've been given Joss Whedon. They got a guy who has been writing for ensemble casts through television mm-hmm. for a long time. And they got, got somebody who could write for this ensemble cast. And then thankfully, just as he got shitty, they found two other guys yep. who are way better filmmakers. Who are even than better, him. yeah. Yep, they absolutely. are way better filmmakers than he is. And, and I'll just touch on this very, very solidly. This movie is kind of flat. There's no there's no shots that will impress you. There are no shots no no cinematography shots that will make you think. It's all pretty cut and dried, workmanlike, almost TV, right? Yeah. That's Joss. <laughs> that came from TV. Yeah. He's not going to be able to get rid of that. And then they found these other two guys that are more filmic. They're far more filmic. And even in the special effects shots, they're far more filmic. But they're still in love with the universe and the characters. So they understand, hey, if people don't like these guys, no one's going to fucking want to watch another movie with them in it. Yep. So, yeah, it does. I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie, um, but it is It is a perfect movie for what it is. And that is an action-adventure superhero movie. And because of the way the studio and the executive producer managed this property, they turned it into the biggest blockbuster of all time at that time. And then they went, hold my beer. We're going to 
put something at the end of this movie that only a, that only a handful of people in the audience are going to understand because when I said half the audience went huh they were usually sitting next to somebody who was going was out of their excited. mind and they turned and said who was that and then the car ride home was a discussion of the infinity gauntlet and everything else <laughs> so uh Steve recommend Oh, yes. Recommend very much. Absolutely. Me, me recommend, too. Me, I'm Hulk. <laughs> me think movie am good. Not not me want to seal from the... What was it? It was Hulk Reviews? Where the guy was Hulk reviewing yeah. movies? Yes. Steve, do you yes. have a movie that you would like to not recommend? I sure do. I sure do. It's a Mario. movie that... It is also a Marvel movie. Get out. But it's not a good Marvel movie. Oh, so it's from the 90s? It's from the 90s. <laughs> I'm bending the rules a little bit because this is technically a TV movie. Oh, although Lord, you do it all the time. Although I can't say that it has never had a theatrical screening. Maybe it has. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The movie I'm not recommending is a little movie that aired on TV in 1998 called Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, God. Now, we all, know, we all know and love Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. But yes, yeah. this, this is the David Hasselhoff one. But there was da- a once upon a time where Nick Fury was white. Yeah, before, before uh, Ultimate Marvel said, let's draw him like Samuel L. Jackson. That's what, then, exactly what they said they and, did. And then Marvel Studios said, we'll do you one better. <laughs> We'll cast my we'll cast Samuel L. Jackson to play the motherfucker in the movie. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it all worked out great for everybody, especially Samuel L. Jackson. But uh, yeah, this is an, the movie is it's a fascinating look at what Marvel was like in the before time before it got bought by Disney and basically took over the world. Where you know David Hasselhoff was kind of a big deal in the '90s, but only up to a point. Like right. He was he was the star of Baywatch, which for several years was the number one show in the world. But That's it was right. all but it was also a show that nobody respected. Nope. Because it was fun, but it wasn't exactly like great drama. It was shitty. It wasn't ever watched. I've never watched it. It was I've, not. It, it was not a good show. I would try, and I'd be like, nope. <laughs> it is. It is. I'll tell. It is a show that is ideally designed to watch with friends and make fun of and laugh it's at. It's a show designed to give thirteen-year-old boys chubs. Well, that's the that's that's the original intention. Yes, but um, mm-hmm. if you if you are an adult and you find yourself watching Baywatch, it's best enjoyed in the company of friends who can mock it relentlessly and laugh at it. Sure. Um, but so so David Hasselhoff parlayed that into. Uh, a starring role in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was intended to be either the pilot for a TV series or the mm-hmm. first or the first of a series of subsequent TV movies. Um, I probably don't need to tell you that neither of those things happened mm-hmm. <laughs> because this is a bad movie that nobody watched and nobody liked. So there was no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did eventually become a TV series, but not until like 25 years later mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was a completely different thing. Um, but yeah, that is my not recommendation. The, the forgotten and misbegotten David Hasselhoff vehicle nick fury agent of shield at the risk of alienating our non-comic book fan fans listeners i know exactly who i would cast david hasselhoff in in a marvel movie he's already been cast as himself as himself yeah but i know who i would cast him as who the beyonder oh hey in that i i I can see that that white jumpsuit and everything yeah i can see that yes absolutely yeah i have good ideas no one listens to me (laughs) oh well (laughs) 
Okay, it's my turn. Your turn. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's whatever it is. In 2012. 2012. <laughs> and there was a brief trend in which, uh, because Hollywood is bankrupt of ideas, they were reaching out for just about anything to make a movie about. They reached out to toy lines, and they said, oh, we're going to make the Transformers into a movie. That became popular. We can make something like that. We can make something like that. What else does Hasbro have? We have this board game. Okay, we'll make that into a movie. And so then, a bunch of fucking morons decided that they were going to turn Battleship into a movie. And that's what I'm not recommending. Peter Berg's, you know, the actor, Battleship. He's Ooh. made better movies. He made this one for money. And holy shit. Is it, guys, please stop. I'm glad. I don't think there's been another board game movie, has there? Not that I can Please think of. That Not that I can think of. One. Because if this had become popular, what was going to be next? Operation the movie? <laughs> how 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 convoluted would the setup to Operation the movie have to be in order for it to be like the board game? <laughs> I would love to see it now that you've mentioned it. I would love it if we got one of those really deep... Who, who directed Tree of Life? Malik? Malik. Terrence Malik, yeah. Terrence Malik's life (laughs) based on the board game it's four hours long (laughs) has like a minimalist philip glass score sure sure yeah go for it (laughs) but um you never saw battleship did you i haven't seen it no good for you (laughs) aliens done come in their own boats and we have to fight them with (laughs) our boats and there's literally a scene where they recreate the battleship, how you play battleship, but it's using buoys or something like that. And they're saying G4, and you want to kill yourself. You just don't want to be in the. You're like, who? Why are? Why is anybody in this? Why is Liam Neeson in it? Oh, he's given up. Okay, great. Don't see it. It's awful. Don't see it. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yes, my friend. Now is the time for you to make a terrible choice. But in this case, uh, there is no terrible choice. Really? I've picked three movies. They're all Ford films. Okay. They're all black and white. Because <gasps> I'm in a mood. <laughs> for those people who don't know, now is the time where I make Steve choose the next movie we're going to review based on a blind choice of three movies that I've picked at random or because I got some bug up my butt about something and it's something that we haven't done. And so now is the time for him to do that. Steve, you do that. I'm going to go with B. 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 Okay. Had you chosen A, we would have watched what is considered one of the greatest movies ever made. Ooh. And that is Bicycle Thieves. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Am I good? Yeah. Had you chosen C... Wait, you chose C. No, you I, chose I chose B. B. Had you chosen C, we would have watched The 400 Blows. Oh, another one. Oh, I love me some Truffaut. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> But, happily, you chose B, which means that we're going back to a director who intimidates us. Ooh. But it's one of his best films and was the inspiration for Spaghetti Westerns. <gasps> the next movie we're going to see stars one of our favorite actors of all time. Oh. <laughs> who do you think that's going to be, Steve? I just want to see if you're on the uh, right track. Oh, I, uh, would, that, would that be Toshiro Mifune? Uh-huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the next movie we're going to review is Yojimbo. Oh, yeah, baby. So if you want to get all the jokes, watch Yojimbo before our next podcast drops. 
Do you know that George Lucas wrote the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi for Tichiro Mifune? I think I, I have heard that, yes, yes. Why didn't that happen? I don't know. I wish it had, kind of. Why didn't that fucking happen? Because nobody would have... Everyone in the world would know his name. <laughs> because no, nobody would believe that Darth Vader would beat him in a sword fight. <laughs> That's true, but at least you'd believe that he could hold the fucking sword. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, and he wouldn't mind just showing up as a glowy ghost guy. Yeah, he's like, I'll do, I'll do one more scene per movie if you pay me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they just replaced him with a British white dude, despite the fact that, kind of in a racist way, they named him Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, you know. Why change the name? It's space. People have different kinds of names. And I'll tell you this much, if it had been Toshiro Mifune, Luke would have listened to every goddamn word that man had to say. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, even Luke's not that dumb. And he says, Luke, wait, come back. It's too late. He'd just turn right around. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Be right there. Imagine him cutting off some, that fucking walrus man's hand in the goddamn bar. Imagine the badass look on his face, the stone cold killer visage that he (laughs) would get. When he's negotiating with Han Solo, and Han Solo just goes, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever you want. I'm sorry, sir. I I apologize. (laughs) I'll take you wherever you want to go. You know what? You don't even have to pay me. Instead of saying to Luke, where did you dig up that old fossil? He'll be like, where did you where did you find that respectable, powerful man? <laughs> Who I would never dream of disrespecting. Nope, 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 no, sir. Do you, do you think he can hear us? Do you think he can hear us right now? <laughs> Why, Steve? I want that universe. Uh, the path not taken, you know? Well, uh, we should really, we should find George Lucas and demand answers. <laughs> like, he couldn't have been that expensive, George. He was so drunk, he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> I mean, you know, kudos to George Lucas, though. Because he was serious about where he was drawing his inspiration from. Oh, yeah. Right? He was drawing from Kurosawa. How much closer can you draw from than to get, like, the lead actor in most of Kurosawa's films? Right. <laughs> to, be, to be in your movie. It just fills my... Uh, Boy, just even thinking about it makes me excited about a thing that will never be. <laughs> that will never exist, yeah. Well, but if we if we ever develop, like, sliders technology and we can go to parallel universes, we need to find the one where that version of Star Wars got made. We actually need to be very careful because after watching Luke Skywalker make his appearance in Book of, Book of Boba Fett, yeah. there's, I, there's almost nothing you can't do at this point. Somebody, mean, somebody needs to deep fake the Toshiro Mifune <laughs> version of Star Wars. Yes, let's deep fake one of the greatest actors to have ever been in movies or stage out of Star Wars and replace him with a man <laughs> with, who made the wrong decision. Yes, exactly. Sorry, <laughs> Alec. You know what? The Alec Guinness version will still exist. You never wanted to be in these movies anyway they were an embarrassment to you i know you're dead just shut up and you <laughs> just shut up we're, we're taking you out we're putting mifune in and then hopefully 50 years from now no one's gonna know the difference <laughs> people will forget you were even in them because lucas is never re- releasing the originals of course ever, as near i as mean I it's really gonna fuck up you and mcgregor's work <laughs> but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it you know maybe they'll just you know change his features a little bit. oh boy 
Boy, I can't wait to hear the argument about that if they well, ever did that. We, we, know, we know George doesn't have a problem with broad Asian stereotypes in his movies, so... But imagine how great it would be if now we're revisiting Obi-Wan Kenobi in this series and stuff like that, or in the prequels where they had to cast a Japanese person to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And that one of the big figures in Star Wars is is not a white dude. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And maybe, because they named the other guy Qui-Gon Jinn, maybe he's not a white dude either. How about that? And they could have put, I don't know, who's a really big Asian star that could have played Qui-Gon? Oh, oh, Chow Yun-Fat. Oh, Chow Yun-Fat. Chow, yeah. Can you imagine? Imagine how great Chow Yun Fat would have been in a Star Wars movie. I guess he still could be. I mean, he's not dead. And fuck a DH Jackie Chan and have him play. <laughs> DH Jackie. Young, young, young Obi Wan. Boy, he was a lot more acrobatic when he was younger, wasn't he? Like he really wants to jump off that tower? Okay. <laughs> I don't, there's no reason for him to do that, but I guess. They wouldn't have to put him on strings to make him jump around. They'd know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, guy. Thanks for listening to us gush about this fucking thing. <laughs> for late seating, this is Jason Hardy, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. You know, funny thing in this movie, when I was watching it, I heard a line that was the exact same thing that my boss at the nursing home said to me right before he fired me. Well, actually, it's the what's li- that, Steve? It's the actually it's the <laughs> it's the line that I said to him right before he fired me. What was that, Abbott? I'm not afraid to hit an old man. Is this what you think of the people around you in, in your life? That you just keep attributing these awful, monstrous quotes to them? Well, no, I, I, I misattributed that one. That one's that one's mine. And then my... Oh, you... My, I'm I said I'm not afraid to hit, to hit an old man, and then my, oh, my boss so fired it makes me. You look, it makes See, you look I'm bad. the bad guy. I'm the monster now. You're the monster now. Yeah. That's right. Good job. <laughs> well, at least you you put it on you. I I'm, it didn't... It didn't come out of the mouth of an uncle or no. It's knew. it's 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 me. I'm the monster. But everybody, don't worry because I'm never going to change. That's right, Steve. Just remember, Steve has two thumbs up for elder abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's funny. He's going to start his own movement. Those are going to be on the com- the PSA commercials. At the very end, I'm not afraid to hold an old man. <laughs> you know who's had it too good for too long? Old people. Old people. Old people. I'm tired of them skating around, getting to do whatever they want. Lording it over us with their age. How dare they? Are you upset at elder boomers as we are? <laughs> now it's time to put them in their place. I can't make jokes that you just... I'm just kidding. Just you beating up. No, I'm not, not kidding. I, yes, I literally used to work at a nursing home, and I was fired for boasting that I was willing to beat up old people. I think it's more than just boasting about it. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, yeah, something did precipitate that conversation. That sounds like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't just small talk. And, he's 103 years old, Steve. He, 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 who cares? Yeah, and he's got a mouth on him, doesn't he? Now he's got something to talk about that's different than another World War II story. <laughs> now he's got something to talk about. I did him a favor. You know, once the feeding tube comes out, he's going to be able to chat up the ladies that's in the right. room. right. Once he gets those new teeth put in, he'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, they're watching daytime TV, which is nothing but infomercials now anyway. Yeah, what's he going to miss Tom Selleck selling him a reverse mortgage? I What? What's he going oh, to happen? Doing- Tom Selleck isn't doing that, is he? I can't. He's doing something. I can't remember if it's reverse mortgages or what. But there is like the, Tom Selleck is doing like a a commercial for something that is targeted at the senior citizens. 
every time I keep hoping to hear Tom Selleck is now playing Commissioner Gordon. Right. It's never going to happen. Why? How? how why? What is so hard about this? <laughs> he looks like he him. He looks like he, him. He, he has a mustache. He has a likable screen presence. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he can leave an impression in a few scenes. You don't need to, you know, like, he can be the guy who just shows up for a few minutes. You know, you can believe that he can beat someone up. Yeah. Or has beaten someone up. Yeah. It's. And right now he's like the perfect age. And he plays play a fucking. Part. He doesn't he play? I have. I've never watched it, but there's that sh- that Blue Blood show on CBS. I never watched it either. Well, he play. I th- I think he plays a police commissioner on that. Does he really? Yeah. So like, what the hell are we? What? Come on. Does he just sit there with pictures of Commissioner Gordon from the DC comics? <laughs> and he's just like, one of these days I'm gonna get the phone call. Oh, they're gonna. They can't. I days. mean, look. I mean, J.K. Simmons is a good actor, but like, what the hell? <laughs> he was barely in that fucking. Why? why anybody could have played that part. Why didn't they call me? <laughs> it's true. Anybody could have played that part. He has what three lines? He's he doesn't you know if if they hadn't identified him as Commissioner Gordon, he could have just been credited as guy who stands next to Batman that time. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. That's true. Guy on okay, roof. We need, to, we need to stop. We need All to right. stop. All right. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemme Listen. And thanks for listening.